Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Keeper escapes, makes a cut, Daniels in space, two score! 365 Sports is presented by IdealMRI.com. High-quality MRIs for $497 or less. IdealMRI.com. Your health is important, so is your budget. Trying for the end zone is May. Has a man. Did he catch it? What a catch in the corner by Pacewar. 365 Sports is also brought to you by Texas Farm Bureau Insurance. Protecting Texans since 1952. Play action. McCarthy. All day to throw. Finds a crosser. If you subscribe to our YouTube channel, search 365 Sports on YouTube. Brought to you by TFNB, your bank for life. Plenty of time for Stroud. Directing receivers, flips it to the end zone. Touchdown! Marvin Harrison Jr. 365 Sports is turbocharged by Unite Private Networks. Find out more at UnitePrivateNetworks.com. Bowers after the play fake, showing his great athleticism. He's going to take it all the way for his third touchdown of the game. Now here's Paul Catalina. Welcome in 365 Sports on a Friday. If you're wondering... Where the smokes are, they have high school football tonight. I, Garrett, you have not. You have, uh, uh, in part of, you in, in a way have taken my place, even though you're not going to be on that broadcast. Correct. You have taken my place doing high school football in that I uh, have retired after 18 years, 18 seasons of doing various high school football around the area. I have retired from it. Um, the biggest reason is, uh, you know, right there in that uh, I've got to have a, you got to, when you have a wife, and you know this because you got one. Yep. You picked one up at the wife store. Yep. When you go to the wife store and get a wife, um, they really like to have at least one weekend night where they can spend some time with you. Although, when you go to the wife store, they don't hear all the time that you, uh, 
you know, you're a football broadcaster. No, but I, it was just time for me to, to step aside and, uh, and go, but yeah, so I'm looking forward to having free Friday nights and talking about the first week of the college football season. I don't like that. This is week zero. Cause zero is nothing. Right. Yeah. It's like, but I do, I'm excited that we have games to talk about. Uh, there are two obviously heavy hitters, uh, this week, Notre Dame and USC playing. Caleb Williams starting his Heisman defense. Sam Hartman starting what I'm, I'm going to say right now, I think is going to be maybe not a Heisman campaign when it's all said and done, but he'll be in the discussion all year long. No, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And I'm interested to see like how he adapts to that system, right? Because that's the ultimate goal is to see how you can progress in a system that's going to get you more prepared for the NFL. I think he's going to do fine. Uh, my concern for him would be the offensive line holding up. I know there's a lot of questions about their offensive line and then the receiving core because he's dealing with a lot of young guys. I know you color, you covered Jaden Greathouse when he was at Austin Westlake. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to be phenomenal for him, but you got to have time to grow because you know you know how it is when you're a freshman. You can't just come over there and dominate. So I think there's going to be some some curves, some learning curves to get over. But I think Hartman's going to have a hell of a season. Yeah, a- absolutely. Um, and so uh, Caleb Williams is going to start trying to be the next Archie Griffin. And, you know, I think he's got the best chance to do it of anybody who's had that opportunity. Uh, Jameis, I think – um, I never thought that he was going to win it again right. that next year. I just kind of thought there'd be there'd be kind of too much around him. Johnny Manziel, I honestly thought like would, and then like when you kind of got into it, you're like, well, no, he's he's having too much fun. Um, and Tim Tebow um, ran up against a, a a stronger field than the year before. Uh, although he still had a really good year, but he didn't put up the same kind of numbers right. that he did that that year before. Plus, like you know, Sam Bradford, not Sam. Was it Sam Bradford? Not Sam Bradford. Um, I honestly cannot remember. Yeah, no, I think it was Sam Bradford. Like whoever won it that year, um, it might have been one of the Alabama guys, Mark Ingram. I don't know. I can't. I cannot remember. I mean, somebody's going to tell me, but that was the Indomic and Sue year as well, right? Wasn't it? Yeah, that he was in that. So yeah, I think that. There was a there was a lot there were a lot there were a ton of candidates that that year but um, but uh, hello to uh, everyone on uh, the YouTube channel and and look also we might as well take this opportunity to announce right here on the show Smokey mentioned it yesterday but starting Monday uh, I'm not leaving this show don't worry uh, but from one to two I'm going to do another show Monday through Thursday through football season called the Triple Option it's going to be a little bit different than this yeah there you go there's the there's the logo so uh, if you want to add another hour to your YouTube viewing day, and I completely support that. Uh, we're going to do one to two every day. We're going to have a lot of fun with this show. It's going to be a little bit – obviously, it's going to be different than this one because you want to do a different thing. So right. uh, we're going to have some fun with it. Garrett will be a, a part of that show, uh, especially wait till you see what we're going to do with our pickums uh, every week. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm just going to tease that. That's maybe – that's maybe my favorite part of what's of what's coming up. But Garrett, before we get into the uh, realignment stuff, and I, so you can have time to get right. that tweet up, let's talk uh, a little bit about uh, the two big teams that are starting out this week. And I'm not I'm not knocking Vanderbilt. I'm very actually very intrigued by Vanderbilt this season. But USC takes on San Jose State, and if you're one of the lucky few who gets the Pac-12 Network, you get to watch that game. Uh, I don't get it. Me I've neither. never gotten it. Uh, I have DirecTV. That's the reason the Pac-12 network essentially wound up in the spot that it was in because they never picked it up. And there's no point to do it now uh, since it's in its its last season, uh, more than likely. But 
Um, if the Pac-12 network somehow rallies out of this, exists. Well, that, that was what was confusing me when I was looking at earlier, when I was before the show, you're talking about with USC and this direct TV, and I was trying to read up about it, and it almost seems like it's, it's kind of like an extension of that in a way, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see, but I, I don't know if it lives. I do not see this Pac-12 network. Let's see. Phil Venzer says he gets the Pac-12 network. Uh, Christopher Shannon says no one gets the Pac-10 network. Uh, <laughs> so Paxton has it. Yeah, so it's all all, all of that. Um, but, yeah, so anyway, you won't get to see it, but we'll start with USC and Caleb Williams. They're not only trying for a Heisman defense, Lincoln Riley's goal is to be in the playoff. Right. That team's goal is to be in the playoff. Lincoln Riley also needs to, I'm sure for his own sanity, win a playoff game here sometime soon. Um, I mean, I know he's won a playoff game. He went to the championship game. It was a, a but, and they lost, but uh, to Alabama. But they, he is, he has done everything but that in a very short amount of time. And he is there at USC to, I mean, it was theoretically improve his chances. I don't know if that happens in the Big Ten. I think it gets a lot harder in the Big Ten to even for a team like USC to get in the playoff. Oh, it's yeah. going to be a lot harder for everybody with more teams in your conferences to have smooth seasons, even to get in the top 12. Because all it's going to take is one two-game losing streak at the wrong part of the year where a team that was ranked fourth is not going to be ranked 17th yeah and just be kind of stuck there no matter what happens because now you don't control your own destiny but usc here in the last year of the 14 playoff i think lincoln riley really has his sights on it to take the 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 right there so i just I, to me and i think this is really stating the obvious right but it's really going to come down to their defense like alex grinch has done no he has not helped lincoln riley in any way going back to oklahoma uh, but they really attacked the transfer portal this year. They did an excellent job. I'm intrigued personally about Bear Alexander. There's been so much hype around him uh, since he was in high school. He's shown flashes, but I think he has an opportunity to go out and really dominate uh, the line of scrimmage for them uh, for, for them this year as the defensive tackle. But you've also brought in another guy like Kyron Barnes uh, from Arizona. Mason Cobb comes over to play linebacker from Oklahoma State. I think that's intriguing. I'm really interested to see how he works in this system. You kind of cut him loose. But going back, like the offensive line, this is another position where you've had to hit the transfer portal and bring people in. How long can they mesh and how long can they hold up and protect Caleb Williams? Because at the end of the day, if he's going to win the Heisman, that's what it's going to boil down to. Yeah, and losing Jordan Addison is is obviously going to be big, but I think that that's – I don't think they're going to notice that. No. I really don't. I think they're just going to go. So, um, yeah, they're going, to, they're going to roll on and they're going to be just fine. They're going to be just fine when it comes to that. Skill position is not going to be the problem. And, of course, I think the biggest additions are going to be along that defensive line. Yeah. Uh, like you said, and I think Mason Cobb uh, coming in from Oklahoma State for USC is going to be a huge one for them as they move forward trying to get – you know, um, to that next level because right. they they lost the games they lost last year because they couldn't get in front of anybody. Absolutely, and they, that's why. I mean, they look. If you want to go, who's going to win the most shootouts? Yeah, USC is going to. You don't want to really get in that with them. No, I don't care how good you are. I think Oregon's going to be great. Oregon really does not want to get in a shootout. Like they'd like to be able to control that game a little bit more. Oregon's going to play a lot of shootouts. Washington's probably going to play a lot of shootouts. Those games. The reason Utah beat them. When they did, and the reason that Tulane beat them, although Tulane, that game was a shootout. But the reason was is that in those key moments, Utah and Tulane could both punch you in the mouth. 
And that is something that USC has not been able to do. And it was something that Oklahoma was not really able to do under Lincoln Riley. It's something that he's got to find is that you don't have to have the kind of defense, you know, that people think of that the, that the 04 USC team right. had. No. But they do need to have those moments where they're in shootouts and be able to knock someone's teeth out and put them on the mat just a couple of times to let you know that, no, this this is ours. No, they do, and it's going to be difficult. I also think, like, the weird thing for USC is be the target, right? Like, I think a lot – well, I mean, it, it's – they're all going to have targets, essentially. But I feel like USC really kind of started all this when you look. So how much of it is going to be, do you, like, who do you think has more pressure on them this year? Is it USC leaving to go to the Big Ten, or is it Texas or Oklahoma leaving to go to the SEC? Gosh. I think that Oklahoma doesn't have any pressure right now as much because I, I don't think people have expect expectations after last year. Yeah. I think they're they're actually in a place where people can go, oh, look, they're a lot better than we thought. Right. Um, that they would be, although I think people do automatically assume they're, I, I think they'll be better. I just don't have any expectation of them to contend for conference and, and playoffs just because I think they're not quite that good yet. I think yeah. they'll be better. I think if they stay healthier, particularly a quarterback, they'll be better. I think it's... I think it's Texas and USC. I think they're, they are, they're, you could not separate them. Right. Because they've got the same problem, right? They've got the same problem in that they are the big dog from each of like USC and Texas in their respective soon to be former conferences are the big dog. They're the ones who are, who are making decisions. They're the ones who USC prevented expansion in the Pac 12. Texas presented, prevented expansion in the Big 12. You know, so did UCLA and Oklahoma, but, like, Texas was part of that. Oklahoma was part of that. And Texas has built itself up so big, mm. and they've earned some of that. Some of that is past history. Oklahoma's the real big dog of the yeah. Big 12. They're the one who's owned the league for most of the time. They're just – I don't think they have as much pressure this particular year. Texas has not won that conference title in so long – since 2009 and so since they haven't won it since 2009 it's a much bigger deal for them to win it on the way out the door i think that there's a little bit more pressure on them i do think though that this they will be a little bit better about handling it because what does it matter if you don't you're about to be in a new league you know everything's going to start anew all it's going to matter at the end of it is like oh well you didn't win the big 12 again on your way out the door like yeah i mean people can be snarky about it but they're going to be the sec with new goals in a year so Yeah, I don't. I'm not really. I'm not really worried about that for them. So, I. Um, but I do think that. Um, but the USC, I think, will have a lot, and both leagues are going to be tight. The Big Twelve is what it is, and the Pac-12 is going to be, which is what I said many times, is going to be ultimately the most sad thing for the Pac-12 is that the last year of its. If it, of its existence, probably. Um, and I say that because we don't know if, right. what's going to happen, but it's certainly s- setting that way. But the last year of the, the Pac-12, especially the last year of the Pac-12, as it was set up to be, has a, a really good USC team, a really good Oregon team, a really good Washington team, a really good Utah team, a really good Oregon State team, and probably a really good UCLA team, and a really good Washington State team. And improving teams... Uh, in Tucson mm-hmm. uh, and at, at Arizona. Uh, Arizona State will be interesting. We haven't even talked about it, but Jaden Rashada won the starting job uh, there. So true freshman, new coach. We'll see rock through that. But 
I've listed most of the teams in the league that are all going to be pretty good. See, when I look at the Pac-12, I think it's going to be arguably the most entertaining league this year, uh, top to bottom. But I also feel like it's a situation where everybody is so good and there's so much on the line that none of them will make the playoff. I feel like it's going to be where they cannibalize each other and you see multiple, you know, two or three lost teams and it's just a cluster at the end to try to see who makes it to the uh, the Pac-12 championship. And I think they're going to find themselves on the outside looking in of the college football playoff again, even though they have probably – Compared to pound for pound for conference, them and the SEC probably have the most teams likely that could make it in. But I think because of the parity, you're going to see the Pac-12 cannibalize each other and nobody makes it from that conference into the college football playoff. Okay, I, I'm going to take Utah out of this equation right now in the playoff just because of Cam Rising's injury. Right, that's fair. If he was completely healthy, they would be in this. So if Utah fans are watching this, I'm going to, say, I'm going to take them out of this. Just for that reason. Right. Because they might lose some games early and be a playoff caliber team. This team would probably be a 12-team playoff team, you know, if if the – I know he says he's going to try and play against Florida, but – He has just, no need to. Let's just see Let's just see what happens. Let's just see yeah. what happens. Um, but USC could make the playoff. Absolutely. Oregon could make the playoff. Washington could make the playoff. Um, I don't think Washington State could – but I do think Oregon, Oregon State, State could. I think Oregon State could. I think so. You've got four teams there that I think could make the playoff. So that's four teams you, I think could make the playoff. In the Big 12, I reasonably think it's two or three right now. I would say two max, honestly. Yeah. I would say Texas and Kansas State right now. Yeah. And I think they could, they could both make the playoff. And again, this is a league where the teams that have won have come out of nowhere. And the way you come out of nowhere is everybody cannibalizes each other, like you said. Yeah. So where Kansas State won it last year, TCU made the playoff, but didn't win the league. Right. Like, they came out of nowhere. Kansas State kind of came out of nowhere. Baylor came out of nowhere. You know, it, it, was, it was that. And so the come out of nowhere thing, that, that's what's – the pressure on Texas is that somebody could come up out of nowhere and, and and even then that might mean Texas is ten and two or nine and three and wins the league and looks really good, but because you have close games where you miss kicks or somebody makes kicks or a fumble here, a fumble there. So yeah, I think there's two. I think the ACC that there are there are two. Yeah, um, Clemson, Florida State. Clemson and Florida State. I don't I think North Carolina could be close ish, but I don't I think they've got other holes. I, I think Drake May has a tremendous season, but North Carolina as a whole takes a step back. I, I just feel like they lost too much, and it's going to be too much pressure on his shoulders. Mac Brown, too, I mean, while he's a, still an excellent coach, like, there's the, the ACC, like, you have Duke on the rise, Pitt's always tricky, Louisville, I just, so I'm kind of Florida State, Clemson, and everybody else. And that's just me. Yeah, I think that's the case. I think that's the case right now. Um, I think in the in the Big Ten, I think you have three legit in yes. Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State. I would not be surprised to see Wisconsin hang around uh, all year long uh, under Luke Fickle, even in year one. Uh, but I do think that there's so many other questions about other teams in that league that 
that would not be cer- like certainly like right now you can make the playoff. And the SEC, you have several. Yes. You know, LSU, Georgia, obviously, Bama, Bama Tennessee. Uh, those I would say those four right now. Yeah. Uh, Ole Miss, if they get the quarterback going, they're gonna they're going to upset a few people this yeah. year. <laughs> Ole Miss, if they get the quarterback going, you know, I can tell you who's a de- you know, um, I think Devin Leary met Kentucky better. I just don't think that they are pound for pound able to run with anything. Like Florida's still probably a couple years away uh, from doing that. Like they've got to get they've got to get to a bowl game yeah. first. You know, so you know Florida, Vanderbilt, Mizzou. A and M, I'm not putting in that. Mississippi State, I'm not putting in that. You know, so there's there's plenty of schools. You know that that I'm just not putting in the mix. Yeah. But um, but yeah, Tennessee, Georgia, uh, Alabama, and uh, LSU, I think for sure are going to be hanging around. And Ole Miss to me would be the dark horse of mm-hmm. if they can if they get on the right side of things, they can maybe get rolling. Um, I'm honestly scared of like I. When LSU plays them, I think that's a team that could really push it. Like that's I'm nervous about that game, honestly. Yeah. Um, okay, we'll take a break right here, Garrett. When we come back, we have realignment to talk about. Uh, Gloria Navarro, who was on our show uh, just over a week ago, uh, has met with Washington State and is going to meet with Oregon State about pitching expansion to them. Mike Oresco is going to do the same thing. Ross Dellinger reported this yesterday, uh, pretty much right at the end of our show, so we didn't get to it. So we're going to get to that. Plus, Michigan has selected coaches, multiple coaches, as interim coaches for Jim Harbaugh's suspension. I think this is comical. It's hilarious. Uh, We'll talk about that next. This is 365 Sports. During the Make This the Summer event, say big on a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Limited with $3,500 plus 2.9% for 72 months. Or a 2023 Jeep Gladiator Sport with employee pricing for all plus 1.9% for 72 months. And an extra $1,000 rebate. Or if that's not enough, get a 2023 Jeep Compass 10% off MSRP. That's right, and no payments for 90 days on all offers. Find the Jeep that fits you at Alan Samuels in Waco. The future's bright. The time is now. College is what you make it. It's a late night pizza run and all nighters coding a new project. It's having big dreams and making them a reality. It's a professor who knows your name and your story. It's preparation for your future, your calling, your life. And at Baylor, it's even more. Lights shine bright. One size fits all. That may be all right for an adjustable belt or cheap sunglasses, but when it comes to your financial needs, no one wants a one-size-fits-all strategy. Ben Erlinson, your Edward Jones financial advisor, knows that his most important goals are yours. That's why he takes the time to understand your needs, knowing you. That's how Edward Jones makes sense of investing. Ben Erlinson, 100 North 6th Street in Waco, 254-759-8533. Edward Jones, member SI. Baylor's Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. 
TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge Checking and Savings accounts to earn interest or cash back. With five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app, banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. Pioneer Steel and Pipe opened their doors in 1943 and they have never wavered with their focus on great product and customer service, relationships with a handshake, making sure you, the customer, is satisfied. Their new facility is now twice the size, allowing new inventory, higher quantities, and in a much more organized fashion. In addition to the long lengths in tubing, angles, channels, rods, and flat, Pioneer Steel and Pipe now offers several shorter, more convenient lengths of material already cut. Their 2,500 square foot showroom has over a thousand new products in stock, new welding supplies, hardware, quickcrete, and do-it-yourself components for any project, whether you are a professional contractor or weekend warrior. The new facility is designed to make your loading experience faster and more efficient with easy drive lanes around the building and much more room to get your trailer loaded. Our location may have changed, but our values haven't, and our relationship with customers goes much farther than just business. Pioneer Steel and Pipe on Loop 340 and Highway 6 and just east of I-35 in Waco. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. Five Sports. The 3 o'clock hour is sponsored by Waco Custom Marketplace. Meats, sweets, Texas treats, and a cut above the rest. 425 Lake Air Drive, Waco. Welcome back to 365 Sports. Paul Catalina and Garrett Ross uh, so far with you. Uh, coming up, I did not give you the lineup of the show today. I got so wrapped up in the first part of the show. Uh, Grayson Grudhever coming up next from Sikkim365.com. At 4 o'clock, Zach Barnett of FootballScoop.com. Billy Embody of On3.com at 4.30. At 4.45, Mike Frank, Irish Sports Daily, the big game, uh, Notre Dame and Navy uh, from Dublin. That is tomorrow afternoon. At 5 o'clock, John Machota of The Athletic. And at 5.30, Josh Neighbors, Crystal Ball College Football Neighborhood Watch. And at 5.45, the top five. Okay. Okay, so realignment news to get to today. We had uh, Mountain West Commissioner Gloria Navarez on the show last week. She and Mike Oresco from the AAC will deliver, deliver expansion presentations in the coming ga- days to officials from Washington State and Oregon State. Uh, and this is from Ross Dellinger. Their pursuit of the Cougars and Beavers is accelerating as the ACC discussions with Stanford and Cal intensify. Uh, so I wonder... What spot is better for them? The Mountain West geographically makes sense. The AAC is a little bit more spread out and always kind of has been, but uh, I think right now the American uh, because the drop down from competition is going to be not as significant if you go to the American than it would be if you go to the Mountain West. Um while there are a lot of programs in both conferences that are on par with each other, I think, generally speaking, when you have two lanes, when you have got a program like a UTSA coming in, SMU in general, 
um, that that holds more weight to me. And it's, I think you'll see better competition week in and week out if you're Washington State and Oregon State. My biggest concern with this is how big is the revenue cut going to be for each program? How many coaches and coach positions are you going to have to fire and fill? How do you navigate your NIL? Your, like, it's just from a financial standpoint, it puts both of those programs, regardless, in crisis mode. And I just... It sucks, um, but I think ultimately if you're looking at a competitive balance, I would prefer to go to the American if I'm those two programs. Yeah. I mean, and I, you know, but right now it gets to a little bit of splitting hairs because you're talking about SMU is probably going to leave. Right. So what's a better league for you? UAB, Charlotte, ECU, Memphis, Rice, Tulsa, Wichita State? You know, it's just basketball, you know, Temple, Tulane, North Texas. I mean, that, yeah. Uh, UTSA, right? So that's what I'm saying. Like, pound for pound, I yeah. think it's better, even if you did lose SMU. Yeah. yeah. Versus Air Force, Boise State, Colorado right. State, Fresno State, Hawaii, Nevada, New Mexico, San Diego State. I mean, like, to me, I think you are um, splitting hairs. You're, you're, I mean, like, it's. I don't think you're going to get more respect in one rather than the other. Other, I think regardless, you're going to run it. It's going to be Washington State and Oregon State year in and year out, you know, controlling the conference and probably almost every sport regardless. But, I mean, if you wanted to save money, say we're already going to have to have this massive financial cutback, let's just keep it regionally. I think that makes the most sense, but from – I mean, just competitive balance top to bottom. I, I still have to go back to the American, but it, it's an interesting situation they find themselves in. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what you do if you're Oregon State or Washington State. I, I mean, I don't know who's got the better. Like, who's got the more money? Like, here's the thing: the answer is going to be is who's got the more money and who's going to and what money makes sense. Right. So, if you're going to spend, if you're going to make two million more dollars in the AAC, but you're going to spend it all on travel and then maybe go in a deficit, is that worth it? Or is it best to take what you know? I don't know. I, I would think that their deals are, are mostly the same, but I, I don't know that for a fact. Uh, yeah, but then you also have the caveat, let's, because every time we bring up expansion or anything, it's always, okay, well, this team, all right, UCF's coming to the Big 12, right? So that opened up the Texas market for them as far as recruiting goes. So if you're one of those programs, Washington State or Oregon State, while you do you say okay well i'm going to the american because that puts me inside of texas now i can recruit texas or does that even matter at that point for those programs i don't know how much it matters i mean i think they probably want to recruit california more and that's that means generally speaking yeah yeah, go to the go to the mountain west but yeah i don't know i mean like i i think i think just right now it's about money they can figure all the other stuff the the problem for them is going to be is that as soon as those coaches like I said before. Can you, yeah, can you hold on to him? I don't you, think you can. Can you, like, Oregon Oregon State's got a great chance to hold on to Jonathan Smith a little bit longer just because he's an alum, but, you know, if Chip Kelly left UCLA tomorrow and they want to hire Jonathan Smith, he's probably going to go there. I mean, I don't think that's, that's going to happen anytime soon, but, again, if you're, you know, a pack school and you want to hire Jonathan Smith, I think that it's kind of, you know, or, or an old pack school, mm-hmm. a Big Ten school or somebody, like, yeah. You know, 
Cal Winningham retires, right? Oh, He's an yeah. older guy. Yeah. You're Utah. I think my first choice is going to, my Absolutely. first call might be to, to Jonathan Smith or somebody like that who knows the West Coast and who knows that, that recruiting that they were doing. I mean, granted, it might change as they go into the Big 12, but even still, like, that's that's a decision that's going to be tough no matter and that ha- that's going to happen the AAC or the the Mountain West right and I use I use him an example but you can also look Washington State like that's the difference that they're going to have to adjust to is that they'll probably still be able to be competitive they're they're probably going to do well in their leagues but the money they have to retain coaches and all that is is just not going to be there anymore do you th- I just thought about this would it at the end of the day. I know that from the money aspect, it, it sucks and it's not going to matter. But if you're a Washington State and Oregon State and you go to either one of those conferences, mm-hmm. you're automatically in a better position to make the college football playoff than you would be staying in the pack, right? So mm-hmm. that means you have better opportunity to capture that. I mean, you have to make a run at it, but you still got better uh, an opportunity to make the money that way. I don't know how much of a deficit that would offset. I doubt hardly any, but... Legitimately, you would at the end of the day, you would have a better opportunity to year in and year out compete for the college football playoff than you would staying in the pack. Yeah, absolutely, I, I, I do. I think you have you have a better shot. Uh, other other spots to do it. Um, I I just don't know. I don't either. Yeah, I just don't know. I mean, like that's a that's a tough choice. Is like if you're you. I mean, this is where they're headed. One or the other, they're going to be headed to. And I would assume they're going to probably go together. Right. You know, one's not going to go like, well, we'd like to go to the AAC, and the other one's going to go right to the Mountain West. I think they'd, they'd probably like to stay together wherever they go. But, that, I mean, again, they're not in the same state. They're not governed by the same board. None of those things. They are going to be able to pretty much do whatever each individual school wants to do. So could we see one and one and one and the other? I guess. But I think <sighs> both conferences are going to want both of them. Well, and, and also they can probably negotiate better as a team. Well, I also think like if you've gone through this, right? Like, like I feel like you've probably formed some sort of a mutual bond going forward. Like you're going to have each other's back. I don't think there's any way you separate those two at all. Yeah, none. No. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so. Um, I don't think so at all. Man, it's just so strange. Very strange. It's, yeah, it's just so strange. Like, what do you do? What do you do if you're if you're those schools? Like, you're getting – and, again, the money offer is going to be I, – I, I think it's probably going to be pretty much the same. I don't think you're – you know, the AAC doesn't have so much more money. Like, one or the other doesn't have so much more money than the other that could bowl them over. No. This isn't choosing to go to the SEC or the ACC, right? So, it's not like you have to be like, well, you know – there's 35 more million dollars at the other one. Like this is a, this is definitely a bit of a Sophie's choice. I mean, I also feel like it's just buying time, right? Because at the end of the day, I feel like by the time we get to 2034, you're going to see the separate leagues. And I think you're going to, I've, I've talked to Jack about this. I feel like it's going to get to a point where you see more of these teams go back and form these regional conferences. And I don't necessarily think they'll be, the Pac-12 again, but if you're just treading water, I could see just stay in the Mountain West, keep it regionally, keep everything built up from the, your recruiting pipelines, let the new tiers form, and then maybe you can have um, firm ground to stay in as you build forward in the new league. Because I, honestly, I think you're going to see that. I think you're going to see more of these teams like that were in the Pac 
ultimately come back and form a new conference at the end of the day. But it's just a matter of what benefits you if you're Washington State and Oregon State, ultimately. Yeah, yeah. I um, And, you know, it's funny. I, I posted this on Twitter uh, a, a couple weeks ago when the whole ACCV came up. Yeah. For football right now, and again, things are cyclical, if I'm the ACC, I'd rather play against uh, two schools that are have been a little bit more invested in it recently. Right. I know Stanford is invested in all sports, but football's become kind of a – they've hit the wall. The fans don't go to the game. The, the environments are, have been better at at both Wazoo and yeah. Oregon State for, for a couple of years now. To me, if it was just down to football, if you're picking, hey, what's going to be the best football over the next couple of years, I'm taking Oregon State and Washington State over Stanford and Cal, but Stanford and Cal bring other things that, that – Oregon State and Washington State don't, namely the the academic largesse that they have. But I, again, and that's just on football. Like, I'm just yeah. saying on pure football and what game I'd rather see, I'd much rather see Clemson go play Wazoo than I would Clemson go play Stanford right now, today. Now, granted, those things can all change, and the, both these programs can get upended by the fact that they're no longer in a power league. You could, but I think also that that brings up the point where we've, like, the focus, the separation needs to be football only and education secondary. Or not necessarily secondary, but that, that's where we're at, right? And I feel like when you look at Cal and Stanford and a lot of these programs, you're still trying to operate whereas it's as one, and that's what's caused all this. So, But I'm, I fully agree with you. I think at the end of the day, football only, you're getting down to the brass tacks. Yeah, Oregon State and Washington State are better. I think they're going to be better going forward for at least a decade, honestly. Yeah, I, I you know, and, and again, there's nothing official happening with the ACC yet, but it does feel like it's going. There's momentum. There's momentum, and it feels like they'll be able to flip one of those teams. Oh, yeah. And I think it'll be like – but here's the thing. The, the all, for all this to stay on track for Cal and Stanford, they really have to hope that it's just four schools and you just have to flip one. Yeah. I, I'm still going to hold out the possibility that the four schools made themselves known, and there's a couple others that would be like, okay, well, I don't have to say anything now. Because I can just wait for it to happen, and then if I see, okay, we have to vote for this, we don't have to vote for this. Right. The one school I was surprised when they listed the four that were not for it, I was not surprised about FSU. Nobody should be surprised about FSU. No No one should be surprised about Clemson. The only difference in that, Florida State is loud, Clemson is quiet. They're letting Florida State do all the barking, but they have the same beef. And we know that because they were on FSU's side earlier when Mm -hmm. this all came up in the first place. North Carolina doesn't surprise me. Again, no benefit to them. When you hear their soccer coach talk, I don't think that's him alone in the athletic department oh, feeling no, no, the no. same way. He spoke for multiple people. He, he spoke for several people. Uh, but I was surprised Miami wasn't one of them. I was really surprised because Miami is a small private school. Oh, was I supposed to accept that, Jack? Okay. <laughs> uh, no, but... Small, smaller private school, and Miami to the Bay Area is a haul. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I also think the reason you're not here in Miami chirp, per se, is you, you got a lot. You got the distractions going on with John Ruiz. We don't know, know what's going to come of that. And you've also, you're not, you haven't been in a situation of power from a football standpoint in like 20 years. So you really, like, oh, if right. you go out there and puff your chest, like, 
You're not th- – this isn't the 90s, so I think that probably has – if they would – all right, if Miami would have had a season last year or they would have had the momentum that Florida State has, has right now, hell yeah, you'd hear them chirping. Yeah. I think that's the only reason you're not. No. Yeah. I, I – yeah, I, I think I think so. I think there's, there's something to that. But I do think – and pl- part of it is just like they don't have to. No. They absolutely – don't have to. All right, we'll take a break right here. When we come back, Grayson Grunhafer, Sikkim365.com. This is 365 Sports. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick'em Bears. Riverbend Liquor and Wine now has two locations to serve you. The original on Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street and the brand new spot in downtown Waco at 600 Franklin Avenue. If you're looking for the best in craft beers or local Texas bourbons, then the original is the place to be. And for the latest trends and online phenomenons, head downtown to the Franklin location. Either way, you're going to get the same great variety, customer service, and speedy experience. Check out both locations on their Facebook and Instagram pages. And if you can't make it to Riverbend, DoorDash is available to bring it to you. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street, and now downtown on Franklin Avenue. Do you or your kids get nervous about going to the dentist? Stonewood Dental, Dr. Steve Childress, he can help. I've spent a career taking care of patients who, as children, had bad experiences, and now they're adults that hate going to the dentist. If I get a kid at three years old, and they come every six months, and it's a happy experience, it's normal for them. Now they have an accident at six or seven or eight at school. Now they have a broken tooth or a trauma. And they have to come here. They're used to lights. They're used to water in their mouth. They're used to experience. They already trust us. It's amazing what we can do with that kid without it being a negative thing. But if I see a six or seven or eight-year-old that's never been to the dentist, and now they have a trauma or an unfortunate, unexpected toothache, it's harder to do that for that kid and it not be somewhat of a negative experience. So bottom line is I try to teach kids and adults and teenagers their body the way I'd want my family treated, which is where it's a necessary part of life. You just take care of it. It doesn't have to be that big a deal. Learn more. Stonewood-Dental.com. Johnson Realtors guide you seamlessly through the process of buying your dream home or selling your current one. Commercial, farm and ranch or residential, Camille Johnson Realtors can smoothly and successfully lead you through any transaction. With a team of 28 experienced agents who are excited about serving you, Camille Johnson Realtors services the entire greater Waco area. If you're in the market to buy or sell, contact Camille Johnson Realtors 104 Midway Center in Woodway or find them online at www.camillejohnson.com. Camille Johnson Realtors, elegant, charming, Welcome home. Stepping into a new pair of boots is great, but stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can also add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. There are more than 150 occupational specialties to help them find the best fit for their future. See all the things your son or daughter can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. 
This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Enjoying the show? Hit the like button and subscribe. Grayson Grunhafer, Sikkim365.com recruiting analyst with us here. And Grayson, it is week zero of the college football season, which means Baylor's still just one week away. They're not a week zero team, which I am thrilled about. To me, I don't want any team that I cover or watch to play in week zero, except like Florida State's going to Ireland next year. I'd be for it if I was Notre Dame or Navy. Like, that's exciting. But if you're going to play just a regular lame home game, I'd rather just wait until the next week. Oh, I agree 100% with you. It's kind of this this weird time period where you're just playing a random game on a weekend where there's not very many big high-profile games. So, like, for USC, for instance, I think they play San Jose State. Uh, it just feels kind of out of nowhere. Now, you are basically the only game on TV that people will care about. I mean, there's a couple other ones, but, you know, all eyes are going to kind of be on Notre Dame and USC, which I guess that's kind of a perk with it just because those are one of the, you know, two of the few teams that are actually high profile that are playing on week zero. But I agree with you. I wouldn't want to play week zero either. Okay, Grayson, the uh, Baylor depth chart, you know, obviously they're, this is their last day of like non-game prep, theoretically. Uh, although I think they've, they've probably already kind of started that, uh, getting ready for Texas State in week one. What depth chart surprises do you think we'll see? You know, I think that one that's kind of popped up recently is the fact that Tate Williams has been playing some right tackle. And, you know, through the spring and even through the fall, for most of it at least, uh, it was basically Caden Siraki versus Elijah Ellis. They were kind of battling to play right tackle. And then over the last couple of weeks, Tate Williams has gotten some reps at right tackle. Caden Siraki's been playing some right guard. Um, so I'm wondering if that is something that we actually see on paper or if Tate Williams just ends up sticking uh, at guard and right tackle like we originally thought was going to happen. Um, so I guess that's one of them. Uh, you know, cornerback is going to be rather interesting just because we're still awaiting to fi- figure out the status of Ajani Carter as far as, you know, when is he actually going to be on campus and practicing, uh, practicing being the, the big part of that. And does that impact him actually being on the depth chart, at least the initial depth chart? Because you wonder, you know, if they're going to put out the depth chart on Monday and if he hasn't practiced still or maybe his first practice is Monday or Tuesday, I can't imagine that they would put him uh, anywhere on the depth chart. But that's going to be something that I'll be uh, looking at as well as also, you know, just seeing how the other cornerbacks shake out, if it's going to be Chateau Reed and Kevin Williams or if Isaiah Dunson sneaks in there and, and takes one of the spots. But outside of that, you know, I think Baylor's pretty much, the depth chart seems rather set. I mean, there's a couple other position battles, but in general, I think uh, you can predict most of them. Uh, But then again, we've seen in the past, there's always a random one here or there that always pops up. Yeah. Um, If a Johnny Carter starts after just one week of practice, that is either really good news or really bad news. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you're right. I mean, you can only look at it one of those two ways. And I would say that it's probably bad news if he's starting immediately because especially against Texas State, like you'll probably go with the guys who have been there, who have been kind of 
uh, you know, practicing and taking majority of the reps. I would think that you would start those guys and then maybe get a Johnny Carter more ready for the Utah game. So that's my expectation. So you're exactly right. It'd probably be uh, pretty bad if he just, you know, shows up and only practices for a week and then he's the starting cornerback. Uh, even though I do think you could see him mixed in throughout the game, I, I don't believe that he'll be starting. If he, well, here's the thing, and the reason it could be really good news is he just shows up and he's the truth, right? Like, oh, man. <laughs> like, all right, yeah. well, that's a miracle. But, yeah, it's either a miracle or a tragedy. There's not really an in-between on that. Yeah, and, I mean, that's that's very true. I do think that, you know, even if he does show up and he's clearly the best cornerback on the roster, I still don't think that you should start him for the first game. But – that's just more of like a preference thing. That's not necessarily something that, you know, the coaching staff's going to look at. Because if he shows up and he's just better than everyone, I mean, you know, you'd usually say, hey, just play the best player. And so maybe that's what ends up happening. Either way, there's going to be a rotation there at that cornerback position. So it's not really something that I think is going to be a huge deal going into week one. Yeah. Grayson, the Texas State last year gave Baylor a better run for their money than they than I think they expected. Uh, this is obviously new coaching staff and everything that's gone on there. Uh, do you expect them to be ready to throw a charge into Baylor, or do you think that Baylor, given everything that's happened at Texas State and everything that's happened with the roster with the Bears, be more ready than they were just a year ago? I, I fully expect that Texas State's going to come out and try to throw the football all over the field and I mean G.J. Kenny is there now and he had a great run there at Incarnate Word they put up a ton of points while he was there and uh, got really good quarterback play especially from Lindsey Scott and so you know I don't think Texas State has those same kind of athletes on the roster but I do think that they're going to have the ability to throw the ball some on Baylor and create some explosive plays uh, here and there so I do think they'll have some success but I think in general, Baylor's probably going to win this game rather easily. I know Texas State was somewhat, you know, in the game last year for the whole game, but it ended up being what, like forty-two to seven, I think. So it yeah. wasn't exactly, it wasn't exactly super close. And I mean, Baylor was a thirty-point favorite, and they won by thirty-five, so they covered actually rather easily. So I kind of expect similar things, but I do think Texas State will probably score more than seven points, like they did a year ago. So, um, recruiting-wise, um, right now the, the focus is on the season, but where do you see things churning for the Bears uh, as the season starts and you start to try to, to lock down some of those guys before they get in too deep into their seasons? For sure. So, a big thing for Baylor right now is the 2025 class because you're going to have a lot of those guys visiting on campus and you're going to try to get off to a good start, which they already have two commits in that class. And so now you're just trying to build on that uh, and build on that momentum throughout the season. Now, as far as the 2024 class goes, you're going to want to bring guys on who you're still probably evaluating or guys that you have interest in that, um, you know, maybe didn't show that same interest early in their recruitment, but maybe now uh, they'll have more interest and you bring them to Baylor and then you're able to kind of continue building those relationships. But, I would say in general, for the most part, if you look through kind of the, the history of recruiting for Baylor, it's pretty much going to be a situation where you're going to have a lot of the commits on campus uh, during the season. You're going to have a lot of 2025, 2026 prospects who come to games and visit. And then at the end of the year is where you'll really focus on kind of rounding out the 2024 class. Now, they still have some targets they're going after, but I think the end of the year kind of 
you know, that right before the the early signing day and then also before the February signing day, you'll see them really kind of ramp that up even more and potentially bring guys on late official visits, which they've done uh, in previous years as well. So that's kind of where they're at. They still have some spots available in the 2024 class, but not a ton. Um, and then 2025, 2026, they're just trying to continue, you know, getting off to a hot start and building that momentum. All right. So, we are are you are you comfortable making a prediction on the Baylor season right now? I am actually. I'm pretty comfortable on the Big 12 season. I'm through I believe 11 weeks on uh, my series on Stick of 365. So I, I feel pretty good about how they're going to finish. Do you, you want my prediction right now or do you want to save it? No, 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 I do. Uh, here's the thing. I and I think I told you this when I saw you the other day. I don't I have less of a grasp on all this than any and it's not because of of not trying it's just they have more questions than i think of any time i've covered them outside of the covid year which i I mean was one big question mark for every team in the country but outside of the covid year every team i've every year i've covered them since maybe the second or third year of art briles yeah i mean there have been some weird years in there like 2016 obviously was was a very weird one and then Matt Rule's first year in 2017 just hard to know what to expect right but I I think you know for this team in particular I think that there are a lot of question marks but I think the way they handled this offseason with the additions they made in the transfer portal and how they were how aggressive they were to fix the roster and how open they've been and honest they've been about mistakes from a year ago and how much we've seen that shift this offseason I think that's great news. And I would also say the other big thing I think that maybe people are overlooking a little bit is just the simple fact that you look through the Big 12 and there's a lot of solid teams, but there aren't a bunch of great teams. I think some people think Texas is great. I think they're good. I think they're probably really good. I don't think they're a great team. That's not a game that is unwinnable for Baylor. And you look at the rest of the schedule, I mean, they're facing a lot of teams who I don't think are going to be you know, very good this year. I mean, you look at Cincinnati, Iowa State, Houston, and West Virginia, I don't think any of those four teams are making a bowl. Um, So if you just throw those on there, I mean, that's four wins. You take Long Island and Texas State, now you're at six wins. I mean, and and you look at the rest of their schedule, they get Texas at home, Utah at home, Texas Tech at home. Um, And yeah, they go on the road to Kansas State and TCU, but I think in general, this is a great schedule that sets up really well for Baylor. And as I've gone and looked more through it and looked through the other teams in the conference and really tried to get a grasp grasp for what I feel like each team will be, I actually think Baylor's probably closer to a nine and three team than a six and six or seven and five team. I, I do agree with that. Nine and three is hard for me to like totally wrap my head around, but I do think that this team will be better. Uh, just talking with the coaches, you feel like there's a bit of a, a weight lifted and a confidence about them and that they know, like, I think they were probably in the position I am now last year where they kind of expected, but they didn't know. I think now they kind of know a little bit more what they have. They expected some guys to step up that just kind of collectively didn't. It, that was That was maybe the weirdest thing is that it wasn't just one or two things that didn't work out. Good teams always have those. George will have those this year, right? Grayson Ware. You think, man, this guy is going to be the uh, you know, really great addition at wide receiver. He's going to score a bunch of touchdowns because he's going to be a matchup problem. And we've got good guys on the other side, blah, blah, blah. And then he just doesn't. 
you get a couple of those every year. Baylor had about seven of those that all kind of happened simultaneously a year ago. I don't see that happening again. I agree with you. And, and the you know, if you even look deeper than that, I mean, last year, the BYU game, and I think the coaches have pretty much admitted that, that, that they just did not show up to the level that they needed to for that BYU game. And I think, again, it had a lot to do with complacency. But, you know, that game, the West Virginia game, where Blake Chapin is literally having a career day and then he gets hurt and they end up losing that game on the road. The TCU game where it's late in the year and everyone already knows Baylor has all these problems and they're just they're not a very good team at that point in the season. And they still probably, you could say, should have beaten TCU. I actually feel pretty confident in saying that. And if they win those three games, last year is so different. And so that's the thing in the Big 12. You have a lot of close games. you got to figure out a way to finish them. But in general, I think Baylor is better set up to do that this year with the pieces that they have, with Blake Shapin being older, more experienced. Everyone forgets last year was his first season as a starting quarterback. I think he's going to be a lot better uh, this, this time around um, and more comfortable in the offense. And then in general, I think a day-branded defense will uh, never be as bad as they were last year, two years in a row. I just I don't see that as a possibility. He's too good of a coach to allow that to happen. And so you put all that together, and I just really feel confident that Baylor's going to be uh, better, if not a lot better, than last year's team. And I think it'll show uh, with the record. Grayson Grudhead for Sikkim365.com. If you're not subscribed to the website, go ahead and do it. We always have great deals going on there. And uh, read his stuff. Uh, it's really good uh, on recruiting. And uh, you're 11 teams, so that means you got three more to go. Yeah, I got uh, so I got two more weeks left, and then I got full projections okay. uh, next week. So I'll have bowl projections, but I do – I will give a little – Sneak hint, I do have Baylor going 9-3. and three. That is kind of where I've settled on them for this season. Okay. A confident Grayson Grudhafer here on 365 Sports. Grayson, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. That's Grayson Grudhafer, Sikkim365.com. You can check out the BearCast over on our Baylor channel, uh, brought to you by Sikkim365.com as well. He and Craig uh, do that each and every week. When we come back, we go kind of around the horn, around the country with all these uh, college football stories with Zach Barnett of FootballScoop.com, one of the best uh, football uh, college football websites out there. He really does a great job um, getting all these things together and, and putting up stories. Really enjoy FootballScoop.com. Zach Barnett is next. This is 365 Sports. Established in 2007 and independently owned, Alliance Bank Central Texas is committed to helping families and businesses meet their financial goals. From their tellers to their board of directors, they know the importance of superior service and competitive products. Customers have confidence knowing that their financial needs are in good hands. It's your bank, Alliance Bank Central Texas, with two Waco locations, 4721 Bosque Boulevard and 191 Archway Drive on Highway 84 and at AllianceBankTexas.com. Member FDIC. See an equal housing lender. 
Where is the best beef in Texas? Your house when you order from Texas Beef House. Unleash the flavor of Texas-raised Wagyu from our pasture to your plate at TexasBeefHouse.com. Samantha Duvall joins us. She's the marketing director who knows all of the specials and also the events coming up. And thank you very much, as always, for your time. So all of these holidays are over. We've hit the meat of, literally, of the summer. And your thoughts about as you hit the month of August and into football season, Samantha? Football season's right around the corner, so- that means it's perfect time for tailgating. Um, the best time to grab our hamburger patties is right now through the end of July. We still have our sale going on with our regular patties and our jalapeno and cheese patties. They're $12 a package, so that's four patties to a package. It's perfect for the time for football. Gather all your family around. That way you can grill it up. Where's the best beef in Texas? Your house when you order from Texas Beef House. Unleash the flavor of Texas-raised Wagyu and how they age it as well. From our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagby is a homegrown, locally owned pizza place that's out of this world. Everything from the dough, the sauce, the sausage topping is made fresh in-house. Not to mention the amazing pizza pillows, the chicken wings are to die for. Try the Sikkim sauce, chili cheese fries or tots, plus great specials on food and drink every single day. Shorty's is also the perfect spot to watch the game with your friends. Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagby. Tell them Paul sent you by. Did you know that one out of every four men have symptomatic low levels of testosterone and don't even know it? And if you think you're too young to worry about it, guess again. Low T levels can make you feel tired and grumpy, raise your cholesterol, and cause weight gain. Petty Clinic Low T can set up same-day blood screening and results. So if you're tired of being tired, call or go online at PettyClinicLowT.com. It's a private clinic with an atmosphere catering to men. Affordable, only $165 a month, including lab work, office consultation, testosterone injections, and follow-up visits compared to $300 or more a month in Dallas or Austin, and you don't have to drive 90 miles one way or the other and fight the traffic. Petty Clinic Low T has board-certified physician consultations and will provide the best form of brand-strength testosterone. Contact Petty Clinic Low T for increased energy, improvement in sexual desire and performance, mood, concentration, even a decrease in body and belly fat. Just off Highway 84 and Old Hewitt Drive in Woodway, PettyClinicLowT.com. The 4 o'clock hour is sponsored by Boozer's Jewelers, the wedding ring store, specializing in custom jewelry and repair, all in-house. Now here's Paul Catalina. Welcome back. Zach Barnett, footballscoop.com, joins us now. And Zach, it is week zero, and while I'm going to pivot from this very fast uh, and talk about things that are all going on off the field, we finally, finally, and this offseason and last offseason, and I guess the one before, felt even longer because we were talking about so much non-actual football stuff between the time the national championship ended and now, but actual games this weekend. Yeah, and uh, I mean, it, it seems like every year the sport owes us. <laughs> it, it's it's an X that is just so toxic that you, you can't shake it, but you can't stand it either. Like, the sport does its best to destroy itself between January and August and then and then the uh the season gets here we remember why we put up with it in the first place all right so in realignment news going on right now the ACC is is heating up around Cal Stanford and SMU 
and the Mountain West and AAC are both making pitches towards Oregon State and Wazoo. Uh, first off, the ACC. Do you see this working out for the ACC if they do get someone to flip and vote yes in the long term, does this make Florida State and Clemson happy? Does this make any sense at all for anybody but SMU? I mean, all of the different things that go into this, like, will this be kind of the definition of college football just realignment hodgepodge if they do it? Yeah, I mean, I, it seems like it, it seems like the, the, the whoever, I don't know if momentum has flipped, I, it seems like Notre Dame has made a concerted effort. I think they were behind the first effort to get Cal and Stanford in. I mean, the AD Jack Swarbrick has went on the Dan Patrick show and said he wants them to join the conference. And uh, it seems like the the, uh, the that group led by Notre Dame is more determined now than they were last time to continue to push Cal and Stanford in. Clemson and Florida State seem checked out. And so you'd have to go to the, the North Carolina schools. The North Carolina soccer coach, for, for what it's worth, says he absolutely does not want Cal and Stanford in the conference because they're his main competition. And so uh, I, I don't know that anybody's going to be happy. I think uh, Cal and Stanford have you know, perhaps rightly convinced themselves that this is their best option moving forward. Uh, because if you're Stanford, it's probably going to be tough to recruit you know, the, the elite softball players, the elite volleyball players, the elite gymnasts to come uh, play at their competition is Fresno State and San Jose State. No offense to those schools. So, I, I mean, to answer your question, I think it's going to work out because all sides uh, seem determined to make it work out, but it's, not, it's never going to make any sense. So the ACC is having problems with revenue. They have a long-term television contract. Notre Dame does not have problems with revenue, and they're about to get a bunch more when their TV contract gets renegotiated. And yet they are trying to influence who plays football in that conference, yet they won't play football in that conference, even though the one year they did, they almost won it. Uh, So why should the ACC listen to what Notre Dame wants at all if Notre Dame could solve this problem by joining them? That's a good question, and I think the answer is that Notre Dame has the leverage here because if they so wanted, they could go get the same arrangement with the Big Ten uh, tomorrow, mm-hmm. and that would be incredibly damaging to the ACC. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, Notre Dame has, or the Big Ten has, has long held a spot open for Notre Dame. Uh, you've already got USC. You've got you know rivals Michigan, Michigan State, Purdue in that conference. Uh, I'm sure. Uh, if Notre Dame really wanted to, they could work out some sort of arrangement where Stanford joins and maybe Notre Dame joins as a maybe a, a three-fourth member or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But it, 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 I, as annoying as it is, if you're a Wake Forest or Virginia, I think you still have to put up with Notre Dame shenanigans because it's still better than the alternative. If you were Oregon State and Washington State and the Mountain West and the AAC both made pitches to you, who would you pick? I think the AAC, the AAC is, is the stronger conference. I mean, the, the AAC makes more money now. The AAC puts teams in, in the college football playoff more often. The AAC uh, has teams in Texas for what that's worth. Uh, I, I think it, it depends on, uh, obviously, the, the Mountain West has a stronger presence in California. 
Um, but I think if the AAC were to get Oregon State, Washington State, I think you probably see them then make a play for, for Boise State and Fresno State. Um, I, again, at that point, you become a conference that's way too big to manage, but we're long past that point in college athletics anyway. We were very, very long past that point in, in college athletics. Zach, um, you know, we haven't had you on in a little bit, but the Big 12 solidified itself. What do you think of the, the, the 16 teams that they will field in 2024? You know, I, I'm glad for the conference's sake that it worked out that way because it means that there's no room for UConn. <laughs> I, I've always thought that would be a terrible arrangement. Um, I, I think moving forward, I, I think it's still going to be a really fun conference to watch uh, week in, week out. I thought it was going to be a very egalitarian conference um, with with the, the power switching back and forth between your Baylor, TCU, Oklahoma State, UCF, Cincinnati. Um, you know, there's there's no one school that has really dominion over the conference in terms of resources or history or anything like that. Um, Utah joining as, as two-time defending Pac-12 champions perhaps changes that. Um, I, I think getting a, a Utah-BYU as a conference game in the Big 12 is a, a fantastic move and something that we all thought would have been uh, in fa- unfathomable two years ago. And, um, you know, Arizona continues to add to the, the conference's basketball offerings. You have Arizona State. That's another, you know, potential sleeping giant in that conference. So I think, I think it's going, it's not going to be, make a whole lot of sense to see Arizona State and UCF playing a Big 12 conference football game, but I think it's going to be entertaining. And that's, I mean, we're in the entertainment business here. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, you've got a series going on right now that I've really enjoyed in the, the most important assistant coach hires uh, of the offseason, the 15 most. And I think you're on number six or seven right now. Um, you're up to Phil Longo at Wisconsin. Uh, how quickly do you think he can affect that conference? Uh, he's not the only one doing it. I mean, I know that uh, that Graham Harrell is going to be at Purdue running a similar type of offense. Hudson Card, a quarterback from Texas at Purdue. Tanner Mordecai, a quarterback from Texas at SMU, is in uh, is at Wisconsin, that spread offense is coming to the Big Ten. How quickly do you think it'll work in that league, or will it take some time to, to figure out? I think it can be pretty quick. I mean, the, the genius of the air raid is that it's not hard to learn. It looks complicated to all of us outsiders, but those who are actually living it, it's, it's pretty simple. And I think getting Tanner Mordecai there, you know, Tanner said that uh, it's a third different program, and I don't know how many different offensive coordinators he's had before Phil Longo, but it's, it's effectively the same offense he's been running his entire college career. And so I think that's going to allow them to uh, kind of hit uh, fast forward over if they had to take if they had to go with a homegrown quarterback. Um, and then you know, Phil Longo said that he really likes the receivers that Wisconsin has. Uh, I think there was only seven or eight uh, in the receiver room when he got there. They brought in four transfers. Um, but he really likes uh, what they've got there. He doesn't think that it's going to you know, inhibit what they can do on that side of the ball. And then you return Braylon Allen, who's already run for 2,500 yards in his first two seasons. That's a, a heck of a, a uh, bailout button at, at your running back right there if you get into a, uh, you know, a, a, a third and one or something like that. The only thing I wonder about it is, particularly in Madison, when they're playing their last home game in November – in a snowstorm, how do they adapt to it? Because I watched it here. 
when our browser's here, if the weather was even slightly bad, he had to downshift the game plan, and it was it was white knuckling the whole time. Uh, obviously, that's a factor. You're lying if you say that that's a non-factor. I, I and there there's always the potential for a snow game. Um, I believe uh, I think it was the Minnesota game uh, I, uh, last year, the year before. There was a beautiful snow uh, snowy t- tundra. But they've thrown the ball pretty well in December and January up in Green Bay for a long, long time. <laughs> yeah. So I think they can do that in, in, in December and January. I think Wisconsin will be able to throw the ball in Madison each November. Absolutely, yeah. That's I had not thought about that at all, Zach, at all. Notre Dame uh, brings in Sam Hartman. Does he make them a playoff contender? Uh, I mean, when Notre Dame has gotten two – the playoff, uh, the quarterback has been uh, the gaping difference. You know, I'm thinking back to, you know, Ian Book versus Trevor Lawrence in the 30-3 to Clemson win. Uh, I'll, I'll say he, he's the most playoff caliber quarterback that they've had. And within the building, like, they think the playoff is the bar for them this year. And so I, I think if you were to – if they're streaming us in, in Dublin, Ireland right now, I think everyone's got a yes, Sam Hartman is the quarterback to take us to the playoff. I think for people who haven't seen him, obviously he's going to have to adjust. They're not going to run um, the offense that they ran at, at Wake Forest, which we were talking about here the other day. We're, not, we're kind of surprised that more schools the same size as Wake Forest haven't picked it up, maybe just because it's one of those things that oh, maybe only Dave Clawson really has a grasp on it. But uh, he's changing to what's going to be more of a pro-style offense. He's going to have – he's had really good skill players at Wake Forest. So I, I'm sure there will be a bit of a jump, but I'm, I'm kind of – I'm really intrigued to see what he can do uh, running a pro-style offense or a more pro-style offense and with what Notre Dame's going to have around him. Yeah, it's definitely a, a contract year for him. Mm-hmm. To uh, I mean, if, if he goes out and, and performs, uh, he's going to be on, on every NFL team's radar. And I think I think you raised an interesting point into uh, the, the Wake Forest offense, and I, I thought about it before, and I think it's kind of the, the underhanded free throw uh, version <laughs> in football, where it's yeah. like, it, it, you get good at it, it's going to work every time, but the problem is, if you don't get good at it and uh, your, your running back and your quarterback are standing flat-footed in the backfield and a, a linebacker buster smokes both of them, you're going to look really stupid. And so I think, I think out of uh, fear of that, I think a lot of coaches don't even try. USC and uh, Caleb Williams open up his Heisman defense against San Jose State. And if you can get the Pac-12 network, you can watch it. Uh, but do you think that – to me, that's that – somebody win the Heisman two years in a row is the secondary question for USC and for Lincoln Riley. Can he put a defense out there on the field that can take a Heisman trophy quarterback and have him holding a national championship trophy at the end of the year? Uh, I mean, I, I, first of all, I don't think Caleb's going to win the Heisman because if Tim Tebow did not win a second Heisman, no one's going to win a second Heisman for as long as we live. <laughs> but having said that, I think Caleb Williams could, could be just as good as he was last season and play Heisman-level uh, quarterback. I think, yeah, I do think USC is certainly, uh, to, to make a hot take here, USC is certainly playoff caliber. Uh, the, the issue for them is that you, you've got to go on the road to Notre Dame. You play Oregon and Washington. Who I, I don't believe they played either one of them last year. And I, I believe they, they might get them back-to-back. I, I know they're close together late in the year. And so the, the, the Pac-12 is just, is just stronger than it's ever been. And so, you know, USC's brought in more high level 
uh, defensive players that are going to start for them, but I just don't know if they have the depth on that side of the ball to hold up through the first Saturday in December. Because, I mean, we got there last year, and that defense, I mean, they were in that game until the fourth quarter, and then they absolutely fell apart. Zach Barnett, footballscoop.com with us here on 365 Sports. And, Zach, I say this every time we have you on the show. I love your website. I love what you guys are doing there. Uh, I hope more and more people go to it every single day because, again, you guys do a great job. You've got, like, really good writers uh, on the site, uh, really doing a great job there. Appreciate that greatly. Thank you. Zach Barnett, footballscoop.com with us here on 365 Sports. Uh, We're going to talk SMU here uh, in a few minutes. Uh, Garrett, let's – Finally do this Michigan thing we haven't talked about yet. Okay, let's do it. So Michigan has a plan to replace Jim Harbaugh for the three-game self-imposed suspension. So each coordinator, Jesse Minter, the defensive coordinator, and Sharon Moore, the offensive coordinator, will get a, a go at being a head coach in the ECU game, which opens up next week. And the Bowling Green game, which is the third game of the year, and then against UNLV, Phil Venzer, I hope you're watching this, they are so unconcerned about their ability to win that game with whoever is coaching, they're going to let two different guys do it in that Jay Harbaugh is going to get the first half and Mike Hart, who I believe is the running backs coach, and I say that because he was a running back at Michigan, is are going to coach that game. This is such a bizarre way to do this, but it is so Jim Harbaugh. It is so Jim Harbaugh that it like you could bottle it and sell it as Jim Harbaugh marinade and cook chicken <laughs> in it. It is, I don't think I should be suspended. I'm not going to just do one interim coach. Now, there are like NFL coaches. There are some that have done this this mm-hmm. uh, this uh, in the preseason. Let I think Mike Vrabel did it at Tennessee. Let his assistant coaches call the game as a head coach so that they can, when they go into interviews for head coaching jobs, they have a better grasp on what they're going to be doing and how they, they handle those. I like that. I like this for Michigan. I actually think it's a, it's a really innovative way to do it. Now the schedule lines up for them to be able to do this. Yeah. If you had, you know, West Virginia schedule the first month, you could not do this. You know, Neil, like, and Neil, I'm not saying Neil Brown should be suspended for anything, but if he were suspended or if he were, uh, say, like Hugh Freeze had to have what, yeah. knee surgery a couple of years ago, knee replacement surgery, and had to coach from the booth or from the hospital, like all that, you could not rotate four guys through three games as the head coach. You would need one guy to do it because you have to kind of have that focus. And Michigan, like I said, I, I'm picking them to win the national title this year. I'm I'm gonna go. I like that I pick said a lot. That, I said that on the top five the other day. I think Michigan wins the national title. I think national titles are won up front. They're absolutely won up front. And Michigan is the best up front team this year, better than Georgia. Georgia was the best up front team the last two years, and that's both sides of the ball. I think Michigan can easily do that. They have the best running backs. They have good wide receivers. I don't think they have wide receivers that are like USC's wide receivers or Georgia or Bama's wide receivers right now, but Bama maybe needs to get a little bit better than that yeah. than they've been over the last few years. I don't think they have LSU's wide receivers or Florida State's who might have the best group in the country. Yeah, they're like giants. <laughs> yeah. But I say that with all bias there, but they have a, a really good group there. But they have, and they have a quarterback 
who I believe is on the level of of the guys who have won it recently. And, and maybe even like, not, not, Sesson Bennett, fantastic college quarterback. Looks like he's going to be the backup for the Rams. I think JJ McCarthy is more talented than Stetson. Oh, Bennett. yeah. Talented, athletically talented than Stetson Bennett. I think if you were not necessarily having a quarterback competition, but if you were having a, you know, like who can throw the ball through mm-hmm. the tires and who can throw it further, it's probably JJ McCarthy. So if that talent meets the leadership, I think you saw it. He's got some fire to him, and he is very much the personality of Harbaugh. I think Michigan's going to win. So yes, if you are Michigan and you're a national championship favorite, you can rotate this through. But that is this is such a middle finger to the NCAA in that oh here's what we're going to do and these are going to be the guys. It is. I, like it is peak Harbaugh. It to me, it, it, it's a it's an ultimate flex. Um, but my thing is, if they go out and they have success doing this, and you are a program who lines up where your schedule lines up going forward in similar fashion, would you consider doing this? Because I do. I, I like the the idea. I think it's a great idea to give young and up and coming coaches who are hoping to to take that next step and become a head coach is a good way to kind of evaluate it, but it's a rare circumstance, man. Like, you have to have the schedule just right. Uh, but, no, if, if they are successful, though, it would be intriguing to see if more teams kind of did that necessarily. Yeah. Jesse Minter uh, will be a head coach very soon. Oh, so yeah. Sharon Moore, both of them. I don't know when that's going to be, um, but they're going to have those opportunities. So, Jesse Jesse Minter, um, I think I think probably maybe a little bit ahead, just by a nose ahead of of, of Sharon Moore uh, on that. But Jesse Minter is going to be head coach really really soon. He's got NFL experience. He's mm-hmm. got like there's all this he's got going for him when it comes down to his applying for that, and that's only going to help him. Here's the other thing that's interesting about this, and I saw this from Dennis Dodd. Michigan gets to decide who the wins and losses go to to the coaches. So. Michigan can say those three, like, so let's assume, because they are clearly assuming, that they're going to go 3-0 and right, yeah, yeah. Through, the, <laughs> through the beginning. So let's assume that they go 3-0 and through the beginning. Then Michigan gets to pick, does Jim Harbaugh get those wins, or is everybody 1-0? Oh? Uh, to me, that, that's stupid, because I mean, if Harbaugh's probably, not coaching... He's going to, look, he's going to coach until Saturday morning... And then he's going to have to sit at his house and watch in his glorious big screen TV and take notes and yell and all well, that. That defeats the purpose anyway. Like, if, if you're suspended, then why the hell are you helping with the preparation throughout the week? Yeah. Like, th- that, dis- that defeats the whole purpose of a suspension to me. Yeah. I mean, in my opinion. Well, they don't think he should be anyway. Well, I so, know that, but still. I mean, they clearly don't. I mean, and har- they agreed to one. To make it go away. The NCAA said, no, it's not going away. And we've seen them, like the last couple weeks, we've seen them flex a little more muscle lately, which seems to me to try to be like, yes, we can still do things. But ultimately, they they wind up losing in the long run. So I get, you got to fight, you got to stand for, you know, try to say that there are rules you got to enforce here. But, um, you know, they're, they're trying to make an example out of Jim Harbaugh and... Good luck doing it. I don't know. Like, again, I have no faith in them to win. Even if they're right, like, I still have no yeah. faith on them to win because they just don't. Um, but, I mean, yeah, they, clearly Michigan didn't think this needed to happen. And then when they're doing it to 
the, okay, you're not going to accept our suspension. The the deal we we thought we had, we are going to put our own, and then when we put it to it, we'll see what happens when we get down into it. So that's fair. But I know if I'm coaching in the game, I don't care if our ball was there in the week and we get the dub. Uh, the win better be by my name and not his. Yeah, that, that's just that's how I view in that. Yeah, no, I th- and I, I look. I think Jim Harbaugh will do that. Oh, he Michigan should. Gets yeah, to, Michigan gets to pick it. Look, one of them is Jay Harbaugh. I mean, he's oh, gonna. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's... so yeah. Do you think he's gonna? Like, no, I'm sorry, Mike Hart. You can't have this. <laughs> not you. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't know. Well, I mean, of course, that one they'd have to really figure out. You know who's more yeah, exactly who gets the win in that one? Who gets the win? First in that half, one. second half, first half, second half. But look, it's good. It's innovative. It's different. Um, by the way, saw an interesting story pop out there today, and I can't remember who it was from. I meant to send it to you, and I didn't. But Amazon is interested in helping ESPN launch their new, probably thirty dollar a month streaming service. Not surprising. No, it that that makes a lot of sense. Apple might be interested too, but Amazon is poking their head in as maybe being a, a partner with ESPN, not buying ESPN, but being a partner with it. That's what, that's what they want to do here first. Disney wants to maybe have a partner to help them distribute things a little bit better. And then we'll see. Um, I wonder if Amazon will fix that Star Wars hotel. That was a, a nightmare. I doubt it. It's going to be a nothing, wash. Nothing, yeah. <laughs> Five, like $5,000 per family for a weekend. Jack's a big Star Wars fan. If Jack even had $5,000 to spend, I'm not sure he would even do that for two nights. Yeah. There's no way. No. I would, I'm a huge Star Wars fan, but if you told me like two nights and you're going to have this whole thing, five grand, I'm not doing it. There's no way. If I, had, like, if I was Jeff Bezos, I'd be like, I'm getting ripped off here. No, I'm no. not doing it. But Amazon and Disney is interesting. It's something to bear watching in the media landscape as we move forward. It might be a, might be a good Jim Williams segment as the – Oh, As yeah. the story gets legs to to kind of break down what they they could bring because there are I mean if you have Disney and Amazon partnering together it's over oh, gosh that what you say but we've seen right now a bunch of really rich people make really bad money decisions well, I, but so I, I understand that but I really do feel like and that was the weird thing with the whole Pac-12 deal and the streaming like I stream 95 percent of my sports so I thought I thought it was a good idea um, but the way ESPN's the trajectory of that company's going where they want to go to a mostly streaming format you have I think it makes sense and honestly I think that's probably the future and you're gonna see more yeah, I definitely see Amazon coming in and taking over the industry. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Katie Rader reminds me that Amazon has AWS. Netflix uses that. Uh-huh. So they have a lot to offer. They do. They, I mean, look, they're not the gigantic behemoth that right. they are. Oh, yeah, you make smart decisions. Hey, I was in. It's amazing what happens. If you live in a major city, this happens. It, even though we have an Amazon distributorship here, I'm not sure it's completely open. Yeah, I can't figure it out. I drive by it all the time. I, I can't yeah, figure I it out. We have, it's just like waiting for the next, like, we, they have to grow that, that big. But I was in Nashville for Christmas last year at the in-laws house. They asked me to order something from Amazon at 8 o'clock in the morning over Christmas during a freeze and we got it nine o'clock at night nah yeah and i said it says what day is this going to be here so it says tuesday they're like today is tuesday that's what it says 
and then <laughs> efficiency at your door. So while I appreciate that, it scares the crap out of me. <laughs> but yeah, you have same day delivery in certain places. Yeah. And, you know, I, I remember like looking at Amanda, like, I don't, I'm sure it's just a, I'm sure it means Wednesday. I'm sure it's just, I'm looking at the app. Maybe I didn't update it right there. It was, yeah, it was right there. And I'm a, I am a prime member. Um, yeah. Spencer Goff, K, KC area. Some things are same day delivery. So I think a lot of that too has to do with probably the grocery aspect. Yeah. Because that, you know, you need that same day. Yeah. Katie Rader once again reminds you that Amazon overbuilt during the pandemic are now selling some warehouses. So, hmm. I mean, you guys want to buy a warehouse? I don't know. <laughs> hey, we can turn it to a club yeah. or something. Yep. yep for <laughs> it, it's huge. It's huge. It's massive. Yeah. I couldn't even imagine just like no turning the air conditioner on, just two lights a day, one on either end. So you're not in the complete dark. What the electricity would be just for those two lights it would be insane. Yeah. Uh, at that huge building. When we come back. Billy Embody talks SMU where they feel they are with the ACC. That's next. This is 365 Sports. I hate my job, but I don't mind getting up in the morning. I dread each day, but I can't wait to get out of bed. You ask me why, and what I'll say to you is true. Well, you can get breakfast tacos at Rudy's Barbecue. Scrambled eggs and brisket, they ain't fooling around. Salsa draft sun, they're the best in town. For breakfast, yes, it's true. Put a smile on your morning at Rudy's Barbecue. Boozers is the wedding ring store and more. If you're ready to get engaged or already married and want to upgrade your wife's ring for a special anniversary, Boozers is the place to go. With the largest selection of premier quality diamond engagement rings and wedding rings in Central Texas. They have seven cases with over 300 styles of rings from top designers like Natalie Kay. Choose from yellow, white, or rose gold, plus beautiful top quality loose diamonds. With an in-house jewelry, they can also custom make anything you want. Bring in a picture or drawing and let Boozers create your one-of-a-kind pendant or ring. They can even use some of your old gold and diamond jewelry to create something new. At Boozers, you'll find a great selection of quality timepieces, and Boozers is the place for expert watch maintenance and repairs, too. They specialize in expert Rolex watch repair for fine jewelry, watches, custom work, and more. Go to Boozers on Valley Mills and Lake Air Drive in Waco. Boozers, the wedding ring store. Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be part of the Waco community. We're a small family business here in Central Texas. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important. And unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. And that's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through this difficult time. So if you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. You can schedule online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or call 833-IDEAL-MRI. Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness on Lakeshore Drive is a premier elite life-changing experience where you can change your mind, body, and soul. Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness offers over 40 group exercise classes every week, including boot camp, indoor cycling, bar, silver sneakers, and more. If you haven't been to Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness lately, you're missing out on the improvements. New flooring in the weight room floor and locker rooms, new paint and mirrors added to the weight room and group exercise room, and many new machines have been added and arriving constantly 
on the weight room floor. New free weights, weight machines, TRX, rowing machines, stationary bikes, new treadmills, new ellipticals on the spacious weight room floor. Personal training with Christy London, Randall Corley, Alex Box, and welcome to Nathan Roach, where you will be encouraged and motivated to grow. A kids club included with your membership plus sauna, whirlpool, and tanning bed. 16 tennis courts plus a beautiful stadium court and longtime youth tennis pro Britt Coleman and assistant junior Kenna. Adult tennis lessons and clinics with Blake and the commitment to pickleball with eight courts and instructor Jody Thurman. Visit the website at WacoTennis.com or visit us at Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness next to Hawaiian Falls on Lakeshore Drive in Waco. The 365 Sports Friday Show is presented by Bird Culture Ford and the U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company. Welcome back. Sikkim, I uh, said the old show. Well, Sikkim365.com is our parent company, 365 Sports. Billy Embody now with On3.com. And Billy, uh, this has to be wild times for you as the season starts. You've got SMU and LSU responsibilities and things you have to cover, recruiting and all that. But conference realignment is, is what you're going to have to focus on the most. SMU is in maybe the most unique situation ever in that willing to forego for up to seven years any money coming to them from the ACC. So it's got to be a whirlwind of it. And do you even really know where they feel like they stand right now as getting into the ACC with, with Stanford and, and Cal? Yeah, guys, thanks for having me. It's uh, wild times around here. I'm getting ready to uh, go out to uh, Duncanville, South Oak Cliff uh, this evening. So, yeah, recruiting responsibilities are, are there too. But uh, I just keep checking my phone, honestly, from – different sources and conversations that I've been having for the last week, because this is not something that has gone away behind the scenes. These discussions uh, among, you know, the ACC schools, Cal, Stanford, and SMU as well, um, trying to make this work. And really what it's boiled down to is the ACC coming up with a unique structure for that revenue sharing to make some of these schools that have been, you know, upset with the, the amount of money that they're getting right now, uh, happy for at least a little while until, you know, that grant of rights creeps up on them in 2036. They'll kick the can down the road. And, you know, the way they've done it is, is by these schools lessening their shares that they're willing to take in terms of Cal and Sanford and then SMU giving up, you know, their, their primary TV revenue that they would get if they joined the league. And then, the league has had to figure out, well, is this all going to work money-wise to make it an unequal revenue share where schools are happy with it and, you know, it, it works out to keep the votes in the place where they can expand um, instead of flipping the votes back the other way where they don't expand anyway, but they, um, you know, flip the room. It's been this kind of weird, precarious situation on that um, because you also have to get ESPN involved to make sure that they're good with it but a lot of the indications for people i've talked with around smu but also even nationally uh because this is one of those things where if you don't have the pulse of both sides you could kind of come out you know looking you know a little silly but what most people are saying right now is that this has momentum 
to get across the finish line. And for the most part, a lot of people, have, at least that I've talked to, have been confident for weeks because this is not a situation where anyone can leave for the most part, unless they really want to pay, you know, half a billion dollars um, or around that number to uh, leave um, in terms of their grant of rights and giving up that revenue from the ACC. But something has to happen where they find some new money. And the way to do that is to add these schools. Um, and while Cal and Stanford aren't ideal in a sense, because they are across the country and even SMU is not you know, broken through and, and won much of anything over the last, uh, however long it's been since the death penalty. These are three schools that at least on two sides of it have been in a power five conference and are at least somewhat big names. And then one that is, you know, paying to play um, at that level, both in terms of what they're giving up and how much money they've spent in facilities and all of that. So right now it sits in a spot where a lot of people are saying it's going to happen. It's going to pass. It's a solution to a problem that there aren't many other solutions out there. And it's something that I think right now, I don't think today as of right now, but Monday, maybe Tuesday, I think we see a decision come down that that does uh, lead to expansion. So for those asking, why would SMU forego all this money? I mean, they're going to have to go into their very deep pockets from their alums and, and make up for all of this that they would they would not be getting. Or and it's not really losing because they didn't have it in the first place, but it's going to be you know money they're outlaying. Is this really? It's kind of a no lose situation for them. Look, if the ACC even disbands in ten years, at least they shot their shot, right? Well, and it, part of it is getting into the club. You know, and a lot of SMU people want in that club so that if college football eventually breaks into a, let's say, you know, 40 schools, because you can look at the ACC, you can look at the Big 12, um, you can look at the Big 10 even. And, you know, some people would also point to the SEC in a school like Vanderbilt and say some of those schools in those, in those leagues are counting their lucky stars. They're already in them because they have not been run at a very high level. They've had a spurt here or there of winning. They've had a moment in the spotlight, but they haven't been programs that have really been able to capitalize on being in the position they are. And for SMU, one of the things that they've always pitched over the last you know, decade and a half, that realignment's been a, a true storyline, is if we were to get in, this is what our plan is. This is the amount of money we have earmarked away. This is what we have in commitments for more money to uh, the, the athletic programs. We feel like we can break through if we can get into the power five ranks, but it is such a have and have nots. And, you know, you have to have everything come together for you to catch fire, you know, to be a perennial winner, to be a, a team that can play for like Tulane did. They caught fire last year. they went to the Cotton Bowl, beat USC, did all those things. Cincinnati had that great run that came together. Houston, UCF in the past. Those things still all have to come together because you have programs that at the G5 level, you just can't recruit that true depth. SMU with NIL has tried to change that. And that's really their idea that if they can get in, then they're at least going to be better off long-term. And from there, if, 
let's say in 2036, that's the next round and maybe that's the final kick uh, when it comes to either disbanding, let's say, the NCAA or creating a whole nother uh, section or league of college programs that are up at the top, top. SMU is going to push their chips in over the next 13 years if they do, in fact, get into the ACC and say, we're going to bet on ourselves versus a Boston College, a Rutgers, um, a Vandy even, which, you know, even in the SEC, they haven't been able to break through um, very often. So they're going to try to push their chips in because whenever there is some that next major shift in how college athletics is at least leveled off, you know, D1, D2, FBS, FCS, whatever it is, SMU wants to have done everything they can to be in the best position to be on the right side of that. For the ACC, is there a benefit to doing this in case you do lose? Some some of those teams like Florida State and Clemson figure out a way out of the grant of rights for less than a half billion dollars or just raise a half billion dollars and leave uh, in the next couple of years. At least it keeps you at a, at a certain number of teams that are power five teams and and able to maybe not withstand the total blow of losing your, your two most dominant teams, but at least better off than you would be if you hadn't done anything at all. Exactly, exactly. And that's the thing is there's strength in numbers. Um, it is really, you know, we, we have the proof of that now with the Pac-12. You know, they tried to do the whole, well, we'll get the uh, – we'll get the uh, – deal lined up and then we'll expand and we'll do it in that order. Well, that was clearly not the way they should have done it. You had SMU and San Diego state that were at the very least waiting, willing, you know, all those things to go as soon as they got the word go um, told to them. And instead, you know, Klyovkov wanted to negotiate everything and, and obviously overplayed his hand. And the ACC is very different in the sense that, it seems like this grant of rights is pretty ironclad. And like you said, unless they come up with, you know, uh, a half a billion dollars or so, we're probably not going to see these teams leave, um, you know, Florida State and Clemson notably. So having the numbers in place is really important um, to this league because, you know, when it comes down to it next round of negotiations, this whole market is going to look very different. You know, streaming starting to catch a little bit of fire and, uh, ESPN's obviously looking into that more and more, but um, it, it is just a really difficult situation to kind of navigate. And, and, you know, the ACC wants numbers. Billy, you uh, wrote also a little bit this week about uh, Mason Smith at LSU. I know this is not SMU related, but Mason Smith at LSU suspended for this game against FSU to start out the year. Uh, what are the feelings in Baton Rouge about that Outside, look, Mason Smith broke a rule. He did a silly thing. I, I'm I'm kind of surprised this was a hill the NCAA wanted to die on because they're they kind of have these ever shifting calendars. Like, look, NIL was passed, but it wasn't official when this happened. Um, they just changed a rule where transfers are getting denied waivers, but transfers that transferred before the rule was passed are getting denied these waivers. So. Uh, it's it's kind of a weird situation. I think Mason Smith's caught in a, uh, a little bit of the middle of this, although he did break a rule. Yeah, I think you honestly summed it up very well. Uh, it's pretty wild that it 
it's a common sense thing on both sides. You know, Mason Smith broke a rule. He could have waited. He could have, um, you know, we're at the point, I'm 99.9% sure we were at the point that these players knew that NIL was going to, um, you know, come and it was going to be legal and all things. Uh, but instead he went through, um, you know, with the, with the signing. And uh, so did Keishon Butte. Um, and Keishon Butte was kind of able to skirt uh, the whole situation, um, you know, last season. Instead, for Mason Smith, he's getting penalized now, which I don't love. I, I you know, not even as just somebody who covers LSU, but I mean, you just there, there are, you know, somebody on our message board actually, uh, credit to him, uh, pointed out, you know, Johnny Manziel served a half game suspension. Mm-hmm. Now, in my opinion, Johnny Manziel, they didn't have the proof. I mean, if you watch the documentary, at least uh, that that was what I took away from it is they you know ran it well enough to not have proof, whereas. The guy who set up the actual signing for Mason Smith turned him in, which is uh, also pretty wild. But um, it is one of those things where you got to have accountability. It's it's a common sense thing on the NCAA's side, though, that I, like you said, you really got to die on this hill. And he's a guy that sat out all last year after a torn ACL. And, um, you know, I feel for him. I do because he's a great kid, a young man, you know, who uh, – you know, did everything the right way when it comes to being a five-star recruit. Just really, really great family. Came, you know, uh, from from uh, the home area and, and uh, you know, ended up at LSU. But, uh, you know, these kids were ready to make money. And he jumped the gun and is paying for it now. And I, I, I wish it would just be one of those common sense things where let's figure out a different way here. Yeah, absolutely. Billy Embody on 3.com. Billy, thank you so much. Talk to you soon. Anytime. Thanks for having me, guys. Yep. There you go. So there's momentum towards the eight. I thought for sure it wasn't going to happen. But then the more you think about it, Garrett, I mean, what, what else are they going to do? Nothing. What it, else are they going to do? They, they kind of have to. I, I hate it. But at the end of the day, like, I, I mean, I get it. It's just one of those things where it. I just can't get over how mismanaged the Pac-12 was because when you look, every one of these teams is getting paid and getting paid significantly from ESPN and or Fox, except Oregon State and Washington, who still, if they go with the Mountain West, would get ESPN money. Um, it, it, I just don't understand how they dropped the, the fumble, the, the whole situation where – Everybody couldn't stay intact. But, yeah, I mean, if you're Cal and Stanford, you're SMU. It makes the most sense for SMU without a doubt. Uh, and I would love to see the Ponies get an opportunity to play, I guess, power for football. Uh, but still, like, foregoing – I don't care how much money you have. Foregoing seven years is insane. But I understand why they would want to make that risk. Yeah, absolutely. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk Notre Dame as they take on Navy. We'll get a little more in my Sam Hartman – Heisman contender all season long. Is Notre Dame a playoff contender with Sam Hartman? Mike Frank, Irish Sports Daily, joins us next. This is 365 Sports. With so many companies and policies out there, it gets so confusing shopping for insurance, and I never know if I'm getting the policy that's right for me. Luckily, I met the team at the Nitchy Group Insurance Agency. With the Nitchy Group, you can go to one company and get access to coverage options from many insurance carriers, and you get to speak to a real person about your specific coverage needs. With the Nitchy Group, I know I'm getting the right coverage at the right price. If you need insurance, talk to the experts at the Nitchy Group at 1-800-258-8302. 
too. How did Edward Jones become one of the biggest financial service companies in the world? By not acting that way. Financial strategies, one-on-one advice, it's a big difference. And that's why Brad Wilson, your Edward Jones financial advisor, makes sense of investing. Experience the difference for yourself. Brad Wilson, 250 Sharon Drive in Woodway, 254-776-4337. Edward Jones, member SIPC. There are 26 letters in the alphabet, over 600,000 words in the dictionary, and just three of them said together can change everything. Let's order pizza. Those three words lead to dough made from scratch and three fresh signature cheeses that blanket golden crust in a heavenly melt on Marco's Pizza that'll blow your mind. So visit Marco's.com to order and stop by Marco's Pizza in Bellmead, China Spring, Woodway, and in Robinson. Marco's. Pizza lovers get it. Waco Custom Marketplace is your hometown grocery store with a full-service butcher shop and baker. Hi, this is David Smoke. The butcher shop can take your customized orders for seafood, pork, and poultry and custom cut your favorite steaks from bacon-wrapped fillets to T-bone to bone-in ribeyes. Cut specifically the way you want. They have Norwegian salmon fillets, catfish fillets, sliced ham or turkey and lunch meat, variety of cheese available, and several options of sausage links. Fresh chicken breast or whole chickens, sliced bacon, pork chops, ground beef, marinated beef, and chicken fajitas, and always large briskets available, plus fresh vegetables. So the great product, customer service, and family tradition of the Bauer family continues at Waco Custom Marketplace, open Monday through Saturday, a full-service butcher shop and bakery available. Waco Custom Marketplace, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco, or WacoCustomMarketplace.com. Automatic Chef Canteen is a full-service micro-market vending and office coffee provider with state-of-the-art vending equipment, a wide variety of products, and offering custom-fitted micro-market vending office coffee solutions for your employee break room. You want a full break room solution and a workplace oasis? Well, Automatic Chef Canteen, locally owned and operated for over 50 years in Central Texas, also includes in-house mechanics on call 24-7 for fast, reliable service and maintenance. Automatic Chef Canteen, 6900 Imperial Drive in Waco or online at automaticchefcanteen.com. Don's Humidor, your home with a 48-foot walk-in humidor with the elite cigar brands from around the world, including the number one cigar of the year, Aging Room, Quattro Nicaragua. Plus, they have the great brands like Macanudo and Artur Fuente, Rocky Patel, Aston, and so much more. CBD, great for sore muscles, aches and pains, sleep, Vita Dreams and anxiety, mild depression, general health and wellness. Their staff, very knowledgeable on the subject. If anyone is curious about CBD, ask Carolyn Ashley. Don Schumanor in the Townwood Shopping Center off Valley Mills in Waco. This is 365 Sports. Text us at 254-339-1122. The text line is sponsored by Riverbend Liquor and Wine with the most extensive variety of craft beer in Waco. A hidden gem on Lakeshore Drive and 19th Street. Mike Frank of Irish Sports Daily joins us now. And Mike, uh, certainly appreciate you hopping on the show today. Um, and the uh, the Irish are in their homeland. 
Yeah. Getting ready. To, I guess you could call it that. I guess you could call it that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, getting ready for for Navy, which I don't care. Like, look, Brian Newberry, the new coach there. They're they're changing out. Uh, they're still going to run what they run. They're still going to be Navy. Navy at ten and two or two and ten is still ridiculously hard to prepare for. It really is, and uh, it's. I, I love the fact that the game's the first game of the year. Um, I don't. A lot of Irish fans would prefer to that be the case because of that. So usually, when when they do have the game, the first game of the year, Notre Dame usually handles Navy pretty easily because um, they you know they just have time to prepare. But when you have to play them in the middle of the season, and you got to basically switch gears, and you know, by the way, you got to also have some sort of quarterback who can mimic what they're doing. So, uh, you know, Notre Dame has to recruit quarterbacks just for that particular game. Uh, you know, a lot of times they're walk-ons, but that's, they have to find somebody just to kind of mimic what they do. So it's a challenge. It's a uh, uh, game that's been played for ever and ever, and I don't think that's going to go away anytime soon. So, uh, But I think a lot of Irish fans would prefer to have the game right up front and uh, that gives them the best chance to win I did not know that they like went in particular look for walk-ons that ran offenses like that but that yeah that does stand to reason that you if you're going to do it every year you you don't want to take an L if you if for any reason why you couldn't what's one more walk-on yeah exactly and I think that that's that's what they try to do and and uh, they try and a lot of times they're preferred walk-ons meaning uh there's a little special status that's involved with it, that type of thing. But uh, at the end of the day, <laughs> well, you, you, it's hard to mimic what, what that offense does. And so a lot of times they just have to go try and find somebody. And, and uh, they've been doing it for years, and, and uh, we'll see what happens. It's still very hard to kind of mimic uh, just the timing of it. And, you know, if it's not an offense that you run all the time, it's very, very difficult to duplicate. So um, it's it's a challenge, but I think – have an all fall camp to kind of prepare for it. I think it will help them tomorrow. Okay, Mike, what will be the reason that Notre Dame takes the next step and gets back in the college football playoff this season? And what would be the reason that they don't? Uh, I think the reason they would is uh, by all accounts, this is a very, very tight knit team. And I think, you know, Brian Kelly needs to be given some credit for building the culture that he has at Notre Dame. And I think Marcus Freeman has kind of taken that, and expanded it a little bit. And, uh, you know, by all accounts, this is one of the tightest, closest teams. Everybody gets along. And I think that sometimes you just need that tightness or I mean, you need that closeness when, when the game's on the line and you're looking for somebody to make a play. And, and uh, so I, I think that that can help, certainly. Uh, I also think having a guy like Sam Hartman, who's had a lot of experience, you know, Notre Dame – a lot of the times they've struggled in the past, especially when it comes to the playoff and things like that, is they just don't have the same quarterback that everybody else does. And I think Sam Hartman gives them a chance to have a guy who can actually win a game for you, and, and they haven't had that for quite some time. If they lose, if they're not there, I think the reason's probably going to be wide receiver. You know, there's going to be two true freshmen that play a lot this year and maybe a third, and that's how bad Notre Dame's situation is at wide receiver. And it's not that they're untalented players. They're, they're very talented players. But ideally, you don't want that many freshmen playing. Uh, you, you would hope to have a lot more experienced and talented players. And, and uh, they just had a real bad run of that at, at wide receiver. And so that's going to be the, the thing I think that will kind of keep them, you know, not firing on all, all cylinders. 
at least for a couple weeks. And then once these guys kind of get used to the game speed and that type of thing, I think you'll see Notre Dame's offense start to take off. But I don't expect them to be a juggernaut right out of the gate. There's just too many unknowns there at wide receiver. But I think they'll have a good running game, and Sam Hartman certainly gives you a great chance to win. Mike, for people who have not watched Sam Hartman play a lot, I mean, he's, I think he's pretty well known. He was, he was probably the uh, you know a top five transfer available to anybody, no matter what service you looked at in their rankings. He is yeah. a very skilled quarterback, but what I think, and you kind of alluded to this, that makes him different is he is a gamer. Like if it is close, if he need, if you need the first down, if you need the touchdown, if you need to get in field goal range, Sam Hartman has the knack to get that done. He was the uh, top third down passer in all the country last year. So that's, that's the kind of uh, effective player he is. Now, with their offense, you know, he also threw some interceptions, but I think part of that is because they were, you know, they didn't have a defense. So he knew he had to take a lot of chances with the football for them to have any chance to win. So I think in this offense, he'll have a good running game. He should have a pretty solid offensive line. And so he doesn't have to win every play himself. He can let other guys make plays. And I think that'll help too. But yeah, this is a guy who by all accounts has come in and just been a tremendous leader, you know, uh, basically uh, just gave the whole team. He he got an endorsement deal with beats, just gave the whole team their own set of beats uh, headphones. So he's won over the, the locker room really well. And we'll just have to see, but I'm excited because I think that it's been a while since Notre Dame's had a quality quarterback like this. And, you know, Ian Book, I think, was a really good player and, and certainly a good college quarterback. But his deep ball was kind of his his negative. And uh, I think Sam Hartman throws a better deep ball. And that's really been something that's kind of hindered Notre Dame for probably the last 15 years. Is they just haven't had a really good deep ball passer. Mike, when it comes to realignment, Notre Dame is is very influential with the ACC. Of course, right now, uh, Jack Swarbrick very in favor of the Stanford and Cal ads, uh, but they don't want to join the league. How do how does how do fans or people around Notre Dame feel about their position going forward with the ACC? Would they be happy with Stanford and Cal and SMU joining the league? That they that those are games now. Stanford's one they played. A lot anyway, obviously, but um, but Cal and SMU would be in that rotation of ACC games that they have to play. How do how do fans feel about that aspect of expansion where Notre Dame won't join a league until you know their the guns put to their head and and they're made to? Well, you're excited about the Cal SMU matchup, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> so you know that's that's the, I think the answer, and that's really the the situation. Uh, I don't think Notre Dame fans care one iota about that. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I think what they care about is you know, protecting their opportunities to get to the playoff. And I think a lot of Irish fans are concerned about what's going on in college football, uh, not just with realignment, but NIL and transfer portal and those types of things. And Notre Dame is still one of the only schools, or I should say not still, but they're one of the only schools where you actually have to go to class. A lot of student athletes, do all their stuff online, and uh, you actually have to go to class. And that's a hard decision for a lot of kids to make when you can sit in a football office and, and you know, do all your homework and take all your classes and you have, uh, you know, usually a tutor sitting right next to you and, and, and helping you through the academic rigors. And, and 
because Notre Dame is different, it, it, it makes it difficult sometimes to land some of the top players. And so I think in the end, Notre Dame is just making sure they want to make sure they have a seat at the table. I think the best thing that happened was, at least for Notre Dame's sake, was the expansion of this to a 12-team thing, which is what we're supposed to see here in the near future. Uh, that will give Notre Dame a chance, certainly, to get in the playoff and have a chance to win the national championship. So I think if that had not happened, they'd probably be a little bit more concerned about what's going on right now. And, and uh, ultimately, I think there's a chance they could get pulled into the Big Ten at some point, and I think that'll probably be the most likely uh, landing spot. We'll see what happens with the ACC, but you know, it sounds like Clemson wants out. It sounds like Florida State wants out. Miami wants out. And so uh, we'll see how the ACC holds up. But um, I think Notre Dame's feeling pretty comfortable where they're at right now uh, because of that 12-team playoff coming. And uh, unless something like, you know, changes, uh, I, I would expect they'll try and remain as independent as they can. But again, TV money's a big thing. And, and uh, even though Notre Dame has a contract with NBC that's expiring, there's certainly a lot of negotiation going on right now. But it, no matter what number they get from the NBC, I don't think it's going to be as big as what you can get at, at a Big Ten or an SEC school. And, you know, even the difference of $6 million to a program is, is huge. And so uh, at, the, at the end of the day, it's a bottom line business, and, and Notre Dame has to be mindful of that. And they're not one to dip into the coffers to, to help football. So it, it's going to be a situation where, they're going to have to raise as much money as they can, and, and uh, we'll have to see how it goes. It's interesting to say that, although, you know, they did make a really smart move with the negotiation. They sure. uh, hired the guy who knows how much money NBC has. Yeah, sure. That always <laughs> helps. <laughs> that always helps. And, uh, and I think that, they, that, that uh, you know, as a guy who also played at Notre Dame, I think that that helped as well. He's a, you know alumnus of the program and, and the school. So uh, it's, you know, I, I think that it was a good fit. And by all accounts, uh, you know, everybody on the football staff is very excited about him. And, and uh, we'll see how this all unfolds. But I expect Notre Dame, I, I expect him to try and, and push for some things. Like uh, Notre Dame really struggles to get in uh, transfers in the portal because of their curriculum. And if you don't take the right types of classes, you just won't qualify. So, but what we found is, uh, you know, Notre Dame has uh, Coach Shrewsbury, who's now the new basketball coach, and Notre Dame had to bend because it just lost everybody and they didn't have anybody to, to field a, a team with. So they had to bend in order for him to have a team and get some people in. So I'm sure Marcus Freeman took well note of that and said, well, you know, if Coach Shrews can get this done, why can't I? And uh, so I, I'm sure this athletic director is going to do what he can to try and help that situation out. Of course, he wants to be successful as well. Mike Frank, Irish Sports Daily. Mike, thanks so much. Great stuff. Enjoyed talking to you. Yeah, anytime. Thanks a lot. That's Mike Frank, Irish Sports Daily with us here on 365 Sports. Garrett has to leave, so we're going to go to break so that he can leave and go do the job he has promised to do uh, in calling Conley football at Mejia. A job, Garrett. Yes. I was the play-by-play announcer, but I used to be the voice of the Black Cats. Oh, yeah, I, I used to be the voice of the Black Cats. Nice to know. 
Uh, I I probably peaked then. No, I, it was it was a fun job. <laughs> Lee Wigginson, who's the coach at Allen, was the coach I, in the hand. Lee's and, good. Yeah, a really good coach. They were a really fun team to do. Uh, I thought the my the last year I did them that I had a real shot to call a state championship game, uh, and there was this team called Gilmer. Yeah, the year before was this team called Carthage. <laughs> They've been around, but yes. Yeah, so yeah, Scott Surratt and Jeff Trailer. Ended those those hopes uh, for me. But good luck uh, tonight, Garrett. Thank uh, you. First game out with Tanner Carlson. If you are a high school football fan, you want to listen to those games, go to Sigum365.com. There's a, f- a free uh, link up there um, that you can uh, listen to those games uh, at, uh, at Sigum365.com. When we come back, John Machota of The Athletic. This is 365 Sports. Come shop the greatest selection in Central Texas and save big on Ram trucks during the Make This the Summer event at Allen Samuels in Waco. Get a 2023 Ram 1500 Lone Star Crew Cab, 20% off MSRP, or 2.9% for 72 months. The choice is yours. Plus, if you're a first responder, you get an extra $500 bonus cash. We've got the inventory and we're making big deals. Hurry in today. They won't last long. Allen Samuels in Waco is the place to shop Ram trucks. Three Nations Brewing Company has 16 different beers on draft with a new beer every Friday. It also offers two air-conditioned tap rooms, a large indoor beer hall, a second-floor mezzanine offering a great overview of the brewing company and equipment and patio where you can relax under the shade. Plus, you can now experience the new Three Nations Beer Garden Grill on our shaded patio. Grab a cold beer and enjoy a bite from our freshly prepared and delicious menu. Street tacos, quesadillas, freshly cooked burgers and dogs, and veggie burgers, too. Nachos and so much more all prepared and cooked on site. So come visit the award-winning Three Nations Brewing Company on East Vandergrip off I-35 in Carrollton. In Texas, there's pea-size hail and baseball-size hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. Custom Marketplace is your hometown grocery store with a full-service butcher shop and bakery. Hi, this is David Smoke. The butcher shop can take your customized orders for seafood, pork, and poultry and custom cut your favorite steaks from bacon-wrapped fillets to T-bone to bone and ribeyes. Cut specifically the way you want. They have Norwegian salmon fillets, catfish fillets, sliced ham or turkey and lunch meat, variety of cheese available, and several options of sausage links. Fresh chicken breast or whole chickens, sliced bacon, pork chops, ground beef, marinated beef, and chicken fajitas, and always large briskets available, plus fresh vegetables. So the great product, customer service, and family tradition of the Bauer family continues at Waco Custom Marketplace, open Monday through Saturday. A full-service butcher shop and bakery available. Waco Custom Marketplace, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco, or WacoCustomMarketplace.com. Oh, 
takes time to reach goals. It's a truth that applies to more than sports. It goes for your financial goals as well. You work hard for your money, and you deserve an investment strategy that lines up with your game plan. And Chuck Verno, your Edward Jones financial advisor, can help. If financial investments aren't putting forth the effort you desire, stop by today for a financial review. Chuck Verno, 720 North 64th Street in Waco, 254-732-1161. Edward Jones, member SIPC. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 5 o'clock hour is sponsored by Edward Jones Investments with financial advisor Ben Erlinson, who will navigate you through today's financial climate. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Now here's Paul Catalina. John Machota of The Athletic and... John's favorite time of the year where he only has one more preseason game to cover and then it counts it's different John I've never I've gone to maybe I say never I've gone to maybe two preseason games I it bothers me I don't enjoy it uh but for you writing about all these different things it is it is it a little bit of a different challenge yeah I mean it would be a little bit more exciting if you could at least get the starters out there for maybe two or three series in one of these games. I think that would help a lot. Um, I mean, there is a chance that in this final game that maybe somebody shows up and, you know, plays a little bit bigger than maybe I was expecting. Maybe that helps them make the 53. But for the most part, you know, like the coaches and the front office have talked recently about how this can be one of the toughest 53s they've ever had to cut down. And I look at the roster and I don't think it's all that difficult. Now there are some guys, like I said, that could really have a, you know, a huge game. Uh, tomorrow night but for the most part when the starters don't play there's a part of me that's just kind of like all right let's get to the regular season yeah yes you um uh, wrote the the column today uh i guess it was today right yeah today about the 10 players you're looking to watch the most the one um that kind of jumped out of me is neville gallimore and we are kind of at that point with him, right, John, where he has to make himself a starter or a valuable rotation player, or it's just probably not worth them having him on the roster. Yeah, it's, just, it's kind of an interesting spot he's in because, you know, you look at defensive tackle, they obviously used their first-round pick on Mozzie Smith, and, um, you know, I wouldn't say that, you know, Mozzie's been okay. Uh, he hasn't, you know, been, you know, exceeding expectations or anything like that, but, I mean, he's been – He's been okay, and, and he'll be in that defensive tackle rotation. And then you have Oso Digizua and, and Jonathan Hankins. And so they're going to have more than three defensive tackles. So for me, I kind of think Neville is on right now, the 53. But if you get like a Quentin Bohanna maybe steps up in, in this final game, uh, maybe maybe that changes some things. Uh, you know, maybe they, maybe they go a little bit less at defensive tackle because, you know, they, Chauncey Golson can help out there and Junior Fajoko can help out there. But – he is a guy that, you know, there were some times, you know, a couple of years ago where I thought he would be one of the Cowboys defensive tackle starters uh, going forward, and, and that just hasn't happened for him. But I still think if, if I had to trim it down to 53 today, I, I think he'd be one of the last guys I have on. Do you think that – how many undrafted guys do you think they'll they'll keep from this year's class? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, hmm. When I look down the roster right now – the 
there's really nobody jumping out at me from this year's class that that was undrafted. The the the, the name that immediately comes to mind for me would be T.J. Bass, the the guard out of Oregon. It just seems like he's trending up, and it seems like they continue to give him more and more opportunities. Uh, even some to even work a little bit with the ones, and so he would he would definitely be a guy. Um, I don't know if you count Brandon Aubrey. Obviously, the kicker was undrafted. Um, I think right now, just by the fact that uh, he's the only kicker on roster, I think he's got a, a, a decent shot, you know, at making it. And so, those would probably be the two main ones because even at on the defensive line and linebacker, I just I really don't see an undrafted guy making the cut there. So uh, maybe maybe Bass is is, is the only one. Uh, but you go back to like last year, some of the guys like Wanye Thomas and, and Marquise Bell and stuff like that. And I, I think they both have a good shot at making that safety just because of what Dan Quinn does with his safeties that can also help at linebacker. Offensive line depth is their, their biggest concern. It's probably almost every team in the league's biggest concern right now, John. With uh, Asim Richards and TJ Bash, you just mentioned. Uh, does that mean seeing more and more opportunities of those guys that there may be tiring of Josh? I say tiring. That might not be the but. But Josh Ball's expiration date is coming, and uh, they're not that confident. And well, let's go and all that. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say going into training camp, Josh Ball and Matt Letzko would probably be, you know, their sixth and seventh offensive linemen on their depth chart, and maybe they still are right now. I don't know that anything's changed. But there hasn't been anything that's happened in the last month that's made you think, okay, yes, you definitely have. These are these are guys that can come in and help right now, and I see starting in their future. Whereas you could have said that in the past about some Cowboys offensive linemen. You know, I don't necessarily feel that way about either of them uh, to the point where, like, if you rank the offensive linemen, like the, the starting five is that clear top five. That sixth best offensive lineman for this Cowboys team this year might not be on the roster yet. It might be somebody that they sign off of another team when, when other teams, you know, obviously cut down to 53 by next Tuesday. Or they could make a move to try and, and add in somebody. Or maybe it's somebody that's just on the streets right now that they bring in like they did a year ago with Jason Peters. I'm not saying Peters. I think the ship sailed with, with him. But somebody like that where it's a veteran that they sign and people are kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that guy. He played in the league for a while, former first or second round pick type guy. But there's just a big drop off off of that starting five to anything that happens after it. And, and it's, a, it's a bigger concern. I feel like in Dallas and maybe some other spots just because they have not been able to keep that offensive line healthy uh, for the last few years. Like Dalton uh, Reisner. There you go. Yeah, no, that's, that's obviously a name, you know, the, the name for me, and I know this isn't going to happen, so I shouldn't even put it out there, but the one that I always go to just because he was out at training camp for a day and he's worked with Micah Parsons is Andrew Whitworth. He would be the perfect guy that, Yes, he was a starter in the NFL for a long time. He's obviously an older guy. He hasn't played football. It would take him a while to, to get ramped up, but you also wouldn't be asking him to be a starter. It'd be, hey, can you kind of be our swing tackle and, you know, get your conditioning up? And then if something happens, maybe we, we would have to turn to you. But all indications I've gotten is that he's done. He, you know, he told his family after they, uh, they won the Rams on the Super Bowl that was going to be his last game. And then I get it. But he is a guy that that's the type of guy that would make a lot of sense because when he was in his prime, he played at a very high level and was an obvious starter. But you don't need that here. You just need someone that you can count on, like, hey, we can get a handful of snaps from him a game. And if someone goes down, maybe, you know, later in the season, this could be a potential starter and you at least feel confident there. So, yeah, I mean, there's always some names out there. But the problem is with those guys like that, it's, it's going to take them a while to get ramped up and caught up to where they need to be probably physically. Because of special teams, I'm saying this. 
Um, and it's not because I'm an advocate for fullbacks everywhere uh, and I'm trying to help an endangered species. But would it surprise you that maybe not this year, but next year, Hunter Lupke, if they get him through on the practice squad, makes the roster? Yeah, it's possible. You know, that's, that's one of the names that Mike McCarthy talked about this week, that he's really going to go out of his way to get a lot of reps for tomorrow night just because he doesn't feel like they've seen enough of, it, of him in those first two preseason games. So we'll see, you know, when I look at my 53, like if Jerry Jones came to me right now and was like, hey, what's your 53? We'll go with that. I just can't see keeping more than three uh, running backs. And, and it's only because of the fact that you just have to go deeper at, you know, the defensive line, defensive back, and some of those other things. So running back to a spot where I can get away with keeping three because it's also a spot where there's going to be other teams cutting some pretty decent running backs too that if you needed to, uh, there'll probably be some okay value out there for your number four back. And so because of that, I just think it would be really difficult for uh, Hunter Lipke to make it. You know, I, I think for right now, I, I would go with Tony Pollard, Rico Dowdle, and Deuce Vaughn. Are they in the depth chart in that order, or do you think Deuce sneaks to the second one? I think it's – yeah, I, w- I would say, yeah, you would – two could very much be a 2A, 2B, yeah. uh, depending on the situation you need him for. But, yeah, and there's no question that Deuce has is, is played himself into that role going into camp. I would have said, yeah, you know, he'll probably be like their fourth back, but he has certainly played himself into a role where week one, Sunday night, Giants, you could could put him in there and and, and have him touch the ball ten times, and it wouldn't surprise me. What do they do about linebacker depth with DeMarvin Overshone gone? Uh, And that was somebody they were, especially for special teams, that they really liked. I think think you have to look at the safety position. When you look at the initial cutdown of this 53, I think what it does is – there's really not enough. There's like there's a drop off off that top four linebackers. You know, when I say that, I mean Leighton Vanderesh, Damone Clark as your starters, your twos being Jabril uh, Jabril Cox and Devin Harper, and then after that, I think there's a big drop off there. So I think they only keep those four, and then look to see what could be available from some other teams when when they do their cuts, and it, and then because of that, then they keep the extra safety. Like I mentioned, Marquise Bell has been getting some work. Is playing a little bit of that hybrid linebacker safety. Uh, you know, Wanye Thomas, something like some guys that might not have normally made the roster, but I think this opens up an opportunity for them. So, uh, how much um, heat was on Jerry again for ignoring Jimmy Johnson in the Ring of Honor? I mean, that, yeah, I mean, there's going to be a lot of heat on Jerry until that actually happens. I mean, you just look at what he said about why he didn't have Jimmy in a couple years ago when Jimmy made the Hall of Fame. And he was like, well, we don't want to distract about Jimmy getting the Hall of Fame. Well, that's what DeMarcus Ware just did. So when you, why would you want to distract from that then if that ever was a distraction, which it clearly was just an excuse. He just, he obviously doesn't want to put Jimmy Johnson in for whatever reason. Um, obviously, when they parted ways, there was some bad blood there. And, and every day that goes by that Jimmy Johnson uh, isn't in the ring of honor, I think that there's probably still a lot of bad blood there because, for me, I, I say this probably too much, but I, I really believe in actions speak louder than words, and the actions show you that uh, uh, there's still some bad blood between the two of them. Yeah, um, I, you got a little liquid courage, I think, that night. Uh, I liquid courage, but I think that's what, you know, where when they asked him, Jimmy, Jerry's like, yeah, of course I'm going to do it. Of course, he's in the Hall of Fame now. And then when he sobered up, he's like, oh, man, I shouldn't have said that. Uh, because now and Jimmy people- knew, too. Jim, Jimmy fired right back with, while I'm alive. So. <laughs> well, and look, that might be what Jerry's waiting for, is that, and I said this on the show the other day, unless it's a 
a John Adams, Thomas Jefferson situation where they both pass away in the same day, then, you know, there's going to be a time where one of them is alive and one of them isn't. And you know, maybe that's when it happens. Or maybe it just happens both for them after the fact and, 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 and where it's uh, Stephen Jones puts them both in or something like that. I don't yeah. know. It's, it's one of the biggest head scratchers for me because I just thought, I mean, Jimmy Johnson to me is, I mean, he's, I mean, he's led them to two Super Bowls, and many will argue is, is the reason they even won that the third in, in four years. So uh, I, it just seems like such an obvious thing to put him in. I, I, it, it, it's mind-boggling. Just, I would just do it to, so people would stop asking me about it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, but, hey, that's the thing. When you're, when you're competitive on that type of level that, like a Jerry Jones, no one is going to tell Jerry Jones what to do. And he's dead set on this. I'm I'm fairly convinced that nobody even within his close circle or family ever even says anything to him about it. Just like one of those topics is don't even bring it up because we already know that it's only going to go in a negative direction. Uh, and so I, I think that's just kind of where it sits. They just kind of like, hey, don't even bring this thing up in, in any discussion right now. But, you know, and once a year when they do another player in the Ring of Honor, another person in the Ring of Honor or every couple of years, it'll get brought up then, answer the questions, and then they'll just move on. But it, it, I'll put you this way. It doesn't seem like it's something that's close. John Machota of The Athletic. John, talk to you next week. Sounds good. See ya. That's John Machota of The Athletic here with us on 365 Sports. And, um, yeah, it's just such a weird thing. You could just do it and get it over with. The Packers don't have this kind of – you're a Packers fan, Jack. Yep. They don't have this kind of strife. No, we don't. They don't. They just don't. You know, but of course, like, I think that's probably kind of the beauty of being a Packers fan is it's still the neighborhood squad, even though they have a national huge fan base. Every, like, you live here, you're a Packers fan. There, I know 20 other Packers fans that, that don't live anywhere near Green Bay and can't ever make it there. And it, even though they have a national fan base, you, if you go, Packers play the Cowboys at AT&T Stadium, green jerseys everywhere. Yep. All over the place. It's beautiful. But, but it still feels like, the attitude of it is this the little neighborhood squad. Yeah. Um, though, like, kind of on the topic of, like, owner versus we got, you know, a team president. And when that person can be fired, <laughs> yeah. that adds a different dynamic to it. There, there's a certain amount of, like, oh, it's just like the head coach. Like, they're not getting the job done. Should their job be in jeopardy? The problem is it's a Midwestern business. So Yeah, but, but here's the other thing, though. If... The Packers, do the Packers, what do the Packers have? Like retiring jerseys, they have like a ring of honor. I don't know what they call it, but yeah, but whatever. If, let's just say Antonio Freeman mm. rubbed the GM the wrong way, a team president the wrong way, and the fans all love Antonio Freeman, yep. and then he had gone forever without any kind of recognition, uh, Jordy Nelson probably falls in don't that category. Don't you dare speak ill of no, Jordy Nelson. Saying, yeah, exactly. So if... Whoever the team president is, like, you know what? Jordy Nelson and I had an awkward encounter at a, I'm not putting him in. I don't like him. That guy would be retired eventually. It'd be one of those things where, you know, you've been here a while. Like, it's time to to move on. They wouldn't straight up fire him, obviously. But it'd be like. He might be, the the president might be the president, but there are enough other voices, like, in the company, in, in the organization that could probably push him to to that where when you're the owner when it is 100 percent your team people well, can push all they want and it's not happening if he doesn't want it but like the thing about jerry and jimmy was both of them were sick of each other yep. it was going to happen regardless 
Jimmy, like Jerry was going to fire Jimmy and Jimmy was trying to get fired. <laughs> like it was, they, they could have handled it a lot more like mature adults, but you're talking about two gigantic egos uh, that were involved in that. So, um, yeah, it just so, it's just so unfortunate that it's come to that. But I, there's nobody like of the guys that Jerry's put in the ring of honor that did not play for him. All of them, except for this one right here, DeMarcus Ware, are because of Jimmy Johnson. Yeah. All of them. So this is the first one that's not because of Jimmy Johnson. Bottom line. Um, Darren Woodson, Jimmy Johnson, even though he overlapped several coaches. Um, Aikman, Emmett, Irvin, Larry Allen, Charles Haley, Jimmy Johnson. He was there. So... Yeah, all of them right there. When we come back, Josh Neighbors, Crystal Ball College Football's Neighborhood Watch. That is coming up next. This is 365 Sports. In our logo and advertising, we say we are people that you can count on. What does that mean? It starts with providing a quality vehicle and quality service at a fair price. But it also means we do what we say we will do, and we treat people fairly with respect. It starts by hiring great people, good local folks who work hard with a caring attitude. Our employees are the real reason we are people that you can count on. Put us to the test and see for yourself that at Richard Car Motors, we are people you can count on. Petty Clinic Men's Healthcare in Woodway is now proud to offer you men... An exceptional weight management body sculpting product called semaglutide, also known as Ozempic or Wegovy. Semaglutide is an FDA-approved weight management medication. Once-a-week injections of this powerful medication offers an average body fat weight loss of 20% within the first year of treatment. In addition to body sculpting, semaglutide also normalizes blood sugars and has the clinical research proof of reducing blood pressure, cholesterol, stroke, and heart attack risk. If you're like most men and you have stubborn fat that will just not respond to typical diets and exercise, then help us finally here. Semaglutide, affordable, highly effective. Google search Petty Clinic Waco and reach out to the Petty Clinic team today for a free consultation with Dr. Petty to see if semaglutide is right for you. Go to PettyClinicLowT.com. One size fits all. That may be all right for an adjustable belt or chief sunglasses. But when it comes to your financial needs, no one wants a one size fits all strategy. Cam Heathcott, your Edward Jones financial advisor, knows that his most important goals are yours. That's why we take the time to understand your needs, knowing you. That's how Edward Jones makes sense of investing. Cam Heathcott in Conroe at 936-756-7717. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be a part of the Waco community. We're a small family business right here in Central Texas, and our goal is to bring down the cost of health care while maintaining high quality. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important, and unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. That's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through the difficult time. We offer premium MRIs just like a hospital with state-of-the-art technology and specialists, but you'll pay less. 
sometimes thousands of dollars less, whether you're using insurance or not. At Ideal MRI, we accept most insurance, and there are no hidden costs. Even offering financing if that's needed, everything included in the price, and you'll not get something as a surprise in the mail later on. If you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. They'll know. You can schedule an appointment safely from home online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or give us a call, 833-IDEAL-MRI, IdealMRI.com. TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge Checking and Savings accounts to earn interest or cash back. With five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app, banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. The 365 Sports Friday Show is presented by Bird Culchin Ford and the U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company. Thank you to Bird Culchin Ford. In case you're joining us late and you're wondering where the collective smokes are, they are on their way to Mansfield to do Midway versus Mansfield as high school football in Texas gets underway tonight with week one. And uh, I, after 18 years of doing high school football, have retired from such endeavors to focus on other things. Like talking to Josh Neighbors from Crystal Ball College Football's Neighborhood Watch. Josh, uh, thanks for hopping on uh, with us today. Always uh, great to talk to you. Um, it's been a weird, like when it comes to college football news, before we get into week one, it's been a very weird week of news when it comes to realignment. You know, the Mountain West and AAC are both making pitches to the remaining pack two schools, the ACC and Stanford and Cal and SMU. How do you shake out everything that's happened here uh, in the mad dash to find a home for the pack four and SMU, I guess. Yeah. I can talk to you, Paul. It's been strange. Um, I mean, the ACC stuff, like it's it's a whole lot of them playing some, uh, I know, a three-dimensional chess, I guess, to try and keep Clemson and FSU happy, right? Like, mm-hmm. the you know, SMU's taking no money at all for what, you know, what looks like a long period of time, and Stanford and Cal are taking a reduced price, and then they're going to have this extra little pot of cash, it sounds like, to spread amongst the remaining schools, and they might do it in a way where they do it evenly, or they might do it in that kind of performance bonus to use it to steal a term from combat sports, like a performance bonus type way. Right. So, mm-hmm. but, but here's the thing about, it. I mean, those two schools do pretty well, Clemson and FSU, but there's no guarantee that those schools win the league and whatnot. So it's this, uh, it's trying to figure something out with that, you know, Oregon state and Washington state, you know, those are kind of the, the left behind schools. And we talked about, I do think it's likely they find a home. I think, and I think it's actually a credit to them. Like just think about how good their football programs have done despite the fact that they are not the best football programs in their state. Oregon State last year had so much success under Jonathan Smith. And then I would say Washington State, you know, over the, and I know the Nick Rolovich hire wasn't excellent, but ever since Mike Leach has come in, you know, they've done a pretty good job, uh, you know, remaining relevant, remaining like a, like a solid program. And even, even before that, you know, even Ryan Leaf's teams obviously went to a Rose Bowl, which is a massive deal. But these programs have found a way to have some success and it feels like because of that success at major conferences, they're not going to be totally left by the wayside. They will find a home, whether it is the AAC, 
whether it is the Mountain West. Obviously, it's not what they wanted, but it is the new age of college sports that we are in, and particularly college football, that, uh, you know, it's just kind of a challenge to find a home. The AAC has more money. Do you think that's where they're going to go? Even though geographically the Mountain West would be, you know, much cheaper on them for everything else. Yeah, I, I hate to be the JR. Everybody's chasing money these days, but like that's the whole point of the exercise, mm-hmm. right? So, um, it, I mean, I guess the one thing is like if the money works out, I mean, if you do the cost, the cost analysis, right? And it's like, all right, AAC offers us more money, Mountain West better travel, which one nets us more cash? I hate to be like the... It's all about money, but it is. So I guess if the AAC does does net you more money, that is probably the right move. And and also visibility to like AAC is put you on ESPN, things of that nature. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Josh, we are two games, actual games this week. None of the Big 12, uh, but yeah. uh, games all across the country. USC playing uh, San Jose State, uh, Notre Dame against Navy. Uh, do you feel that, I mean, we know that USC is going to be a playoff contender. Uh, they've got the returning Heisman Trophy winner, Caleb Williams, probably the top pick in the in the 2024 draft coming back. All the things they have across the board. It's really going to come down to defense for them. Do you think Notre Dame, legitimate contender? No, I guess I guess not. Like they have to they I mean, last year their offense was so underwhelming. And I don't know if just finding a new quarterback in Sam Howell really fixes that. The one thing Sam Howell does, I think for sure compared to Tyler Buckner and then compared to Drew Pine who played with them last year is that, you know, it does give them a vertical passing. I mean, like we're seeing right now, like, I mean, I know Drew Pine's been banged up, but he couldn't, he couldn't beat out, you know, new quarterback Jaden. Once again, he's beat up, but like Jaden Rashada. And then we also seen Tyler Buckner, you know, they brought him, they brought him to Alabama, but he has not been named, at least to my knowledge, the starter yet at Alabama. So these are two guys that were the quarterbacks them last year and, Things didn't go well for them. So this adds a new element to their passing game. Obviously, they want to see if they can stretch the field more. Uh, but they played some low-scoring slugfests, some upsetting contests last year. So I think Marcus Freedom, having the defensive background, things will be good. The recruiting has been better, but not like all the way better, I think, in the way that we, you know, some folks thought it might be with Marcus Freeman. So this is a huge year for them. They have to win around nine, ten games for it to be considered a success and uh, a lot of people are used to having Brian Kelly around. So we'll see with them. I don't think this is too much of a test for them. I don't think Navy's bringing a lot to the table uh, in this game. So, but I am excited to see what the new offense looks like with Sam Howell. And is this an offense that's going to be able to stretch the field a bit more? Josh, earlier in the show, we learned two things about Notre Dame from one of our guests. One, that they recruit a preferred walk-on quarterback specifically to help them get ready for Navy every year because they need somebody who can run – the triple option, the option in practice. Right. And right. two, you cannot take online classes at Notre Dame. I had no idea that was a thing. Really? Yeah. They make None. everybody go to class, like into physical. Like I say, go to class, like online classes is going to class, but you still have to walk your happy ass into a classroom, sit at a desk and listen to a, a, a teacher. Well, this is exactly why Brian Kelly left. <laughs> I mean, and here, cause here's the, here's the deal. Like, I'm not sure how you feel Paul about Brian Kelly, but I believe I mean, I believe it's really hard to make an argument that he's not one of the best five coaches in college football. Like, you really have to work your tail off to convince me that that's not the case. Because if you consider all of the things, and look, Notre Dame is an excellent brand. We all understand that. But the academic requirements with which they have, like, I, 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 
you know, went to school with some kids who got in there, but like, it's, it is a, it's a fist fight, man. Like you better be a smart kid. And that does limit them. And we already saw last year, the success Brian Kelly had in year number one, we're seeing it year number two. They're a top five team preseason. You know, I think they were picked to win the sec West, if I'm not mistaken Two, He is an excellent football coach, but this is why he left because you know how challenging that is. And I do feel bad for Notre Dame fans because, well, I mean, like, you know, to some extent, because it feels like in modern college football, like you you do need to be not bending some rules, but you you gotta be, you gotta basically make every single exception. Like these large state universities generally are the ones competing for championships. And even Ohio state, which is a really good academic institution and Michigan to that extent as well, like they're breaking the rules for the players. I know a kid who, you know, a couple of kids actually went to Michigan and look, I probably couldn't get into Michigan, but I definitely know they couldn't get into Michigan. And you know, these schools are making exceptions to their players. Notre Dame is not one of those schools. And that's why we know it's just really difficult to win there because there are certain stipulations and things you have to be doing. Like you have to go to class. Yeah. Um, I grew up going to Catholic school. I know a lot of people who went to Notre Dame, a lot of people, Jack, you too. Like, I, I think I know maybe just from my town, Fort Myers, Florida, 20 Notre Dame grads. Maybe smart people. Oh, ridiculously smart. (laughs) Crazy smart. Crazy smart. If you ask my Catholic mother where she would have rather me gone to school, Florida State where I went, or Notre Dame, um, she would have said, I'll burn Florida State to the ground if you could go to Notre (laughs) Dame. She wanted like she wanted me there so bad. She'd like again, uh, but yeah, it's it is that kind of but I know I know a ton. You're you're right about that. All right, so USC this year with Lincoln Riley, um, Going like this, it last year was the same story for Lincoln Riley when it came to you have an offense that most people can't stop, you know, and you are all over the field all the time on that side of the ball. But when it comes down to it against good teams and against bad teams, a lot of times you just can't get in their way and keep them out of the end zone. They have made a significant investment in the transfer portal on defense. Does it make a difference for them this year or does he have to maybe make a significant investment in a different defensive coordinator? I think the latter. I, I mean, I was, I understand the roster was what the roster was. Mm-hmm. I was surprised he brought Alex Grinch back because mm-hmm. I mean, how many years of this do we have to see his teams are successful, but his faith and loyalty to Alex Grinch, I'm not sure about you, Paul, but it's surprising because yeah. his defenses have been bad. And this is year after year after year now, we're seeing just not much improvement. And look, Oklahoma's defense was bad last year. You know, they they, they had preventables, but like that is that's Alex Grinch's defense. And so, you know, I'll believe it when I see it. And for them, you know, they they've got a schedule that features Washington, Oregon, Utah, and this new look Notre Dame team, and and at UCLA as well too. So those are five games. I think we all believe are going to be somewhat of significant defensive challenges for USC. Do they pass all of those tests? I doubt it. Now, does the defense have the best test flying colors? Not really sure. I mean, we saw last year, they got in a couple shootouts and if things go differently, you know, the second Utah game was standing, but like that first game was, I mean, that was rock'em sock'em robots back and forth all the way, but you can't play four or five of those every single year and come out on top in all of those games. You just, it's just not going to happen for you. So I'm not sure if they need market improvement. I think they do. I think they need market improvement. 
Um, if they want to go 11 and one, they're going to need market improvement. If they, they want to go 12 and one, they're going to need market improvement. And I think that's what it's going to take to get into the, the CFP for them. Although they do have Kill Williams. And I think it does help uh, with kind of the ratings and, and being a CFP darling. Uh, but I think they need to go one loss. And I'm not sure they can do it if they play defense like they did last year. Well, and look, that conference is going to be – it's going to be wild. I mean, you have uh, – I talked yeah, about it earlier in the show. Um, you mentioned the team. Like, look, I think – and, again, this is uh, – there's four teams in the playoffs. So, even for the teams you think are going to go, like Georgia, everything still has to go perfectly for you to right. to be sure to get there. But they have four teams, maybe five, if everything goes perfectly for them, could wind up in the playoff. I, you know, USC, obviously, Oregon, Washington, Utah, which I got something to talk about here in a second uh, with Utah. And I think with DJU, who I think with Jonathan Smith's offense and that will do well, Oregon State could sneak up and surprise a lot of people. And we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be surprised if they do it, right? Yeah. It's, t- it's 10 wins. Now, I will say this. I think, and we do this a lot in college football, right? Like I think I'm looking at Tennessee and South Carolina this year because they had such good years last year. I think people are depending on them to get better. Like Oregon State won 10 games last year and they're bringing in Jonathan Smith. I think they do have a lot back from that team. And Washington won 10 games, but you're kind of capping out, you know? Like like that's kind of where those programs kind of, I mean, maybe Washington a little bit better than that, but that's kind of your ceiling. The big key is, do you get caught by those teams in those games? And the good news for USC is they did not draw Oregon State this year, mm-hmm. right? So that is huge for them. They do not, they did not draw Oregon State, so they they are avoiding that. But they do have everybody else. The good news is most of them are at home. Uh, Notre Dame is the one road game, and then Oregon is the other one. So in conference, Oregon's the big road game, and then out of conference, obviously Notre Dame is the big road game. Uh, so those two programs too, man. Yeah. I mean, they'll be competing definitely for, for a chance to make it. I'm just wondering if they do take a little bit of a step back just because they did kind of tap out last year. I, I think Washington maybe is a little bit more to go, but Oregon state 10 win season. It's about as good as you can get at Oregon state. Yeah, uh, absolutely. All right. On Utah news, they have released their two deep. Cam rising is listed as their starter. We know he's going to be starter right. when he gets back. I just don't know if I uh, Bryson Barnes, by the way, uh, listed as the the backup quarterback. Who you, I think you'll see next week against Florida. But Cam Rising has kind of let it out there that, oh yeah, no, I'll be all right. Do you believe it? No, the, the injury stuff it's it's difficult, right? Because like we uh, we know, and these and the college coaches are allowed to play stuff very close to the vest. Also, I'm not sure if you saw this interesting stuff Brett McMurphy had today. The Big Ten's got yeah. to release their injury reports a couple hours, which I thought was fascinating. I'm not sure how you thought about that, but that's oh, fascinating. Am. Yeah. I'm all for it. I, I think that... I, I am too. I, I think eventually it's going to be like the NFL. I think right? you I think you have... A, you have to go that way. You've already got a gambling issue you have to deal with in the NCAA anyway. Uh, so you might as well lean into what you need to lean into and make sure that you're completely on the up and up. And, I, you know, I... I just, as a media member, get so tired of coaches like, well, so uh, is uh, so-and-so going to play? But, uh, and you're like, eh, I don't, yeah, I think he could be, you know, he's trending right. that way. Like, just tell me, just tell me. Right. Absolutely. And I, I think, the, yeah, like the, the, I mean, I get they want to play tricks on us, but like it, we, we are in a, we are in a culture. Remember when the Oklahoma kids were on top of the journalism building or in one of the windows having to watch practice to see if it was Rattler or Caleb Williams running with the ones, the twos, like we should not be having to do that kind of stuff. We should get more honesty from the coaches. So I, I think that would be, uh, I, I think we should eventually just get to the point, you know, where we get that. But look, 
Cam rising, it was January 1st we saw it happen. We're now what? Or whenever the Rose Bowl, I think it's always it was January 1st, January, whatever it was. Um, August 25th, that's a pretty that's a pretty significant turnaround, right? Now, mm-hmm. he is a young man in the pro- physical prime of his life, so we'll see. But Utah better – I mean, actually, I'm not even sure they need Cam rising to win that game. I, I it's don't at think home. Was, yeah, it's at home. Right. Yeah. Right. And Rice Eccles is a really good advantage. Now – notorious slow starters Utah are yeah uh yeah notorious slow starters so we will see but I think if I'm them like your goal this year is another Pac-12 championship I think that is for them they're you know they're they're building right now upon what they have the last couple years I would protect Cam Rising at all costs this game, I don't think ultimately defines what their season is. You could say, well, you know, they're a playoff contender or whatever. Yeah, I mean, this team needs to win a New Year's Six Bowl first, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think that is – we've seen them come up against it now twice, Penn State and Ohio State, and basically Ohio State's backups, and they were not able to get the job done. So, like, that's what they're building towards, I think. Um, of course, you could always go the TCU route and just jump the line and go ahead and win a playoff game. Mm-hmm. But I think for them, they're trying to build more. And so it's about the long season for them. And I, I do think they can beat Florida at home – without Cam Rising, because I have to think, Paul, that he has not been – Bryson Barnes has taken a fair amount of the snaps Mm -hmm. in practice for them, and so they should be pretty comfortable with him at quarterback, at least that first matchup, and then that buys you a little bit more time to get uh, Cam Rising as healthy as possible, uh, and it gives you a couple more weeks to do so. Josh Neighbor – Josh Neighbor – Josh Neighbors, (laughs) Neighborhood Watch on Crystal Ball College Football. Head over to that channel. Uh, It's also one of ours. Uh, Like, subscribe, uh, watch Josh's show uh, when it comes out uh, each uh, afternoon. Josh, thanks so much. Talk to you soon, man. Anytime, Paul. And uh, I'm glad that you've retired from the high school football beat. Uh, Good for you. You You know what? I'm done with hot Friday nights. I'm over it. I'm done. And I'm, uh, you know, you're over it, so good for you. Yeah, I'm free as a bird, baby. Free as a bird. Uh, anyway, uh, thank you, Josh. When we come back, the top five. This is 365 Sports. The future's bright. The time is now. College is what you make it. It's a late-night pizza run and all-nighters coding a new project. It's having big dreams and making them a reality. It's a professor who knows your name and your story. It's preparation for your future, your calling, your life. And at Baylor, it's even more. Baylor, where lights shine bright. Stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. See all the things they can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick'em, Bears! 
Where is the best beef in Texas? Your house. When you order from Texas Beef House, unleash the flavor of Texas-raised Wagyu from our pasture to your plate at TexasBeefHouse.com. Samantha Duvall joins us. She's the marketing director who knows all of the specials and also the events coming up. And thank you very much, as always, for your time. So all of these holidays are over. We've hit the meat of, literally, of the summer. And your thoughts about as you hit the month of August and into football season, Samantha? Football season's right around the corner, so- that means it's perfect time for tailgating. Um, the best time to grab our hamburger patties is right now through the end of July. We still have our sale going on with our regular patties and our jalapeno and cheese patties. They're $12 a package, so that's four patties to a package. It's perfect for the time for football. Gather all your family around. That way you can grill it up. Where's the best beef in Texas? Your house. When you order from Texas Beef House, unleash the flavor of Texas-raised Wagyu and how they age it as well. From our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. There are 26 letters in the alphabet, over 600,000 words in the dictionary, and just three of them said together can change everything. Let's order pizza. Those three words lead to dough made from scratch and three fresh signature cheeses that blanket golden crust in a heavenly melt on Marco's Pizza that'll blow your mind. So visit Marco's.com to order and stop by Marco's Pizza in Bellmead, China Spring, Woodway, and in Robinson. Marco's. Pizza lovers get it. It's time for Paul Catalina's Top 5 Brought to you by Texas Beef House Where's the best beef in Texas? Your house when you order from Texas Beef House Unleash the flavor of Texas raised Wagyu From our pasture to your plate TexasBeefHouse.com Top 5 predictions for 2023 Volume 2 Volume 2. I'm going to keep doing Well, I can probably do these until about Wednesday of next week, and then I got to yeah. Then I gotta let it go. Uh, and le- unless some bad things happen this weekend, and, and then I, I might have to change one. But number <laughs> five, Alabama will be good, but have lots of growing pains. They'll be really good, but this whole three quarterbacks, like they, this is the first time they've gone into a year in a while without knowing who it's definitely going to be. Uh, they they needed a reset at the skill positions last year. Their lines will still be really good. They'll still be a Nick Saban coach team, but I do think that you'll see them be, and you saw it a little bit last year, um, just be growing up a little bit. This is a transitional period for Alabama a little bit as much as Saban will transition to things. But, look, Kirby Smart has taken over the league. You know, there are... Uh, you know, Brian Kelly's in the league now. Tennessee, like, it's harder. When you are as successful for as you have been, Hugh Freeze is back. All these things. When you are as successful as you have been, as Nick Saban has been, for as long as you have been, then everybody starts making hires to beat you specifically. Everyone yep. who has been hired in the SEC since Nick Saban's been there, has been hired to beat him. Nick Saban was hired to beat Urban Meyer. And then eventually that happened. Urban left, had health problems, and left. Uh, And then he went to Ohio State. And then what did the Big Ten do? The Big Ten hired a bunch of coaches to do what? Beat Urban Meyer. Now, they didn't really do that, but... um, They tried. tried, Yeah. Uh, Urban, Urban Meyer wound up undoing his own... 
situation there, but they're now hired to beat Nick Saban. When Mac Brown got hired at Texas, he was hired to beat Nebraska. And then they did that. And then when, you know, then you had Bob Stoops coming in, you had all these things that were hired specifically to beat Mac Brown in Texas. Art Bryles hired a Baylor. So that's going to have an effect on them, I think, long term. I mean, the quarterback question term. is still yeah. interesting. And then look at, like, their safety play, which is Saban's position, like, that he coaches. Their safety play has been trending downwards over the last few years, too. So it's it, it's really something to, to keep track of, and it's interesting uh interesting thing to watch out for in the sec because some people some people are still like it's saban give me a reason not to trust him and some people are rightfully looking at this year is uh, there's some bigger question marks for alabama yeah absolutely okay number four sam hartman sets the world on fire at notre dame i know you're probably tired of me talking about sam hartman on this show today if you're watching the whole time i'm a huge sam hartman believer i watched him at wake forest destroy the most of the acc uh, and if he didn't he played in really good games against them i think notre dame is going to have a fantastic 10 and 2 type year if not better i think sam hartman will be in the heisman conversation for most of the year if not wind up being a finalist uh, one, because he's the quarterback in Notre Dame. He's the best quarterback they've had there in a long time. And I know that, you know, you can say like, well, he did this. And I think he's going to be fantastic there. He's going to raise the level of everybody around him. Notre Dame is going to be super fun to watch this year because Wake Forest, Wake freaking Forest was so fun to watch when he was there. Yep. And I have no love loss for them, especially when they beat my alma mater. But Wake Forest was fun to watch when he was there. Sam Hartman is the gamer's gamer. He'll throw less interceptions this year. He will look really good. I don't know if he's going to be an NFL quarterback one day. I know he'll get the opportunity, but this guy is fun to watch, and I think he's in it the whole year. I completely agree. I do wonder what he's going to look like in a more pro-style offense. Uh, the the long mesh at, at Wake Forest is one of my favorite things to watch, honestly. Um, but So it'll be interesting to see him transition to that. And is it sad that like even without him, I'd almost be like, okay, but... Notre Dame was going to go nine and three, ten and two anyway. Mm-hmm. Like I, I wonder how much of a difference he makes for this team, for this program. Do they make a bit of a breakthrough? Do they really push for that playoff spot because of him? If they do, I think a lot of people are going to look at it like that, like it's because of him. But I don't know. They've got a few big games on the schedule. Otherwise, I'm not. I'm not convinced they should go worse than nine and three. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Number three, Caleb Williams will not repeat as Heisman winner. Bold. It's by not, bold, I, mean, the bold. I mean, not. But there's, I mean, there's a lot of columns today. I felt like this is like about why he's the best shot. But Johnny didn't. Jameis didn't. Tebow didn't. You know, a lot of people have not. Yeah. Come back and done it. It's really hard. I think it's part of this. You have a lot of a bullseye. And I think also voters, even if you have a great season, which Caleb is probably going to have. Just want to vote for somebody else. Yeah. They just want to vote for somebody else. Although, of all those guys, he probably has the best opportunity to win it again because what's around him is is about the same. Like, there's not been a drop-off that much. I mean, Jordan Addison's going to be, like, no matter who takes his place, bit of a drop-off. They're going to – because he's he was really, really great. Um, but I think I think it'll be – I think he'll have a lot of numbers. I just think there's going to be somebody out there who everybody turns to more, if for no other reason than they've all had a great season and and they're new and they're new. 
Well, yeah, yeah, he's he's really competing against himself, against yeah. what he did last year, mm-hmm. and that's just a that's a crazy high bar to set. Well, that's now, what that's what undid all the rest of them, right? And like, and in particularly Tebow, who the, the year after Florida still went to the like he won the Heisman Trophy. Florida won the national championship the year he didn't win the Heisman Trophy. The year after, and it was because like, look, they were just, I mean, they were really great around Tebow, and he didn't have. 29 or 30 whatever rushing touchdowns that next year because he didn't have to. Yeah. I also wonder if the strength of quarterback play in the Pac-12 that we expect for this year will be an extra, like, he's not that much better than the rest of these guys in this league. Like, you know, I I don't know if that could play into voters' minds, but... Well, and again, if you take a little, a couple more losses because of that, you yeah. don't know. I mean, there's, and there's a bullseye. Of course, nobody can be mad. Like, the only teams that can legitimately be mad at... Everybody else for wrecking the conference for Oregon State and Watsu. Yeah. Everyone else is going to probably be somewhere else. You know, obviously we'll find out about Stanford and Cal and the ACC here soon. But uh, yeah, they're the only ones who can who can have that that kind of thing that the Big Twelve has with Texas and OU. They're the only ones who who get to do that. Number two, Wisconsin contends all season. Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, top three of the Big Ten. Uh, I think Penn State could really take a huge step forward, but. Uh, and I, I said early in the show, I think Michigan wins it all. But I think Wisconsin contends all season long. I think that Luke Fickle is a fantastic coach. Phil Longo gets that offense going pretty quickly. I think that a lot of teams that they play won't be used to it yet. And they'll be able to sneak up with some people. Plus, big Tanner Mordecai fan here. So, I... Waco I, Midway. Yeah, I gotta, gotta, love, gotta love Tanner. So, I think it's going to work out well for them up there. I do think, though, that... What will get them is the three teams above them. And I, I don't know Wisconsin's schedule off the top of my head. I should have it up. They've got Ohio State. They've got Ohio State. I think they dodge the other two, maybe. Definitely, I don't remember them on Penn State's schedule. Yeah, let me, let me, just, let me just verify this, yeah. and I'll tell you um, here. My pause about, uh, about Wisconsin is just like, it's still year one, mm-hmm. still going a different direction, com- like completely new offense, Different style offense, honestly, because you're used well, you're used to them running behind the biggest farm boys you've ever right. found. They play at Wazoo in, in week two. Yep. Um, Purdue, like, there's two, like, that's gonna be two games, wide open offenses. Now that uh, Graham yeah, Harrell's at it, Purdue, it, it's at Camp Randall. Purdue's not winning that, isn't it? Uh, no. Oh, it's at Purdue. Oh, yeah. At Purdue, there's actually a prayer. Yeah. Uh, so they host Ohio State, but they do not see Penn State or. Michigan yep. until what would be the Big Ten championship game um, if that if that's how it shakes out. So Yeah, I mean, I just – it's still year one. They're going to contend in the Big Ten West the whole year. Yeah. Definitively. But contend for the Big Ten, contend for, I don't know, possibly getting into that playoff conversation, I don't think so. Yeah. I, I we'll don't think see. that's what you were saying, but yeah. Yeah. Number one. Because advertising works, and it works also when your player is really good, which he is, and he's going to be exciting. He's going to be on a team that's going to be on TV a bunch. Uh, he's going to be on a TV team that gets a lot of attention outside of it because it's the last year in a conference. But Bo Nix, Heisman finalist. Bodacious. I Look, there's already the big ads going up all over the place. We saw that uh, in New York. Like Bo Nix, Heisman finalist, mark it down. Mark it down? Mark it down. How many, next Heisman finalist? How many things are more certain to you? Than many, this? many more things. <laughs> but I do think Bo Nix is going to be a Heisman finalist. He 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 runs the ball 
really well too. So he has that element to his game. He's going to be in games, a big games against other big time quarterbacks like Penix and you know Caleb Williams and all that stuff. He's, and you know those Pac twelve defenses are really tough. Uh, yeah, again, he's going to be in a good league with a, that's not going to you know outside of Utah is not going to not going to hit you that hard most of the time. Yeah. Uh, so I think Washington will be a little bit better in defense this year. Um, but I, I do think you know, you're not going to have that. You know, you have teams that are again more spread out, more big offenses. He's going to have big numbers. He's going to get a lot of attention. He's at Nike University. Yeah. See, I'm sitting over here thinking he is at he's like my third quarterback out of the Pac-12. In terms of the Heisman race, like I've got, I've got Williams and Penix over him. Yeah, but maybe that's just maybe that's just me. Yeah. By the way, Katie Raider, thank you for the super chat, buddy. Absolutely appreciate Katie Raider. He's an awesome guy. Everybody who's who watches our show, awesome. Great in people. some way or another, great people. We appreciate you all. But yes, Bo Nix Heisman uh, finalist again. I'm not going to pick a Heisman winner because a lot of times the Heisman winner is somebody winning like Cam Williams. Everybody's talking about kind of knew that was going to happen, but you know, Johnny Manziel came out of nowhere, right? Jameis Winston came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Tebow didn't come out of nowhere. Everybody kind of knew he was going to be a contender for that all year long. But you know, a lot of them do, you know, like, Oh, you know, I don't think people thought Sam Bradford when he won at the beginning of the year would, would have been that like, or he might've been in there, but he wasn't the one who's going to kind of go where he, he went. Mark Ingram yeah. kind of came out an Alabama quarterback at Penn state. What? Who's the quarterback at Penn State? Drew Aller? Yeah. There maybe, you go. Maybe he pops off this year. There you go. Who's, yeah, we'll knows? see. We'll see. That's going to do it for us. Thanks to everybody who's been a part of the show. Thanks to Garrett. Thanks for Jack. Thanks for everybody for watching. Tonight, uh, 365 Sports Tonight on the CW. Make sure to watch that. And Monday, we launch my new show, The Triple Option with Paul Catalina. I'll be on this show again uh, every day as well. But Monday through Thursday, The Triple Option, 1 to 2 p.m. Central. Please tune into that. We appreciate when you do. Thanks for watching, everybody. Love you. Have a great night. DLMRI.